The following episode contains major plot points that may spoil movies for some viewers. A spoiler warning is now in effect. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. We have a special episode for you guys. As you all know, we've been trying to get guests on the podcast for quite some time. We've had a few guests in the past, and we've been very fortunate to be able to now have guests on the podcast. And as I... Pretty sure we've discussed before, Colin has been in charge of trying to book guests on the show. Well, it looked like that booking really came true. Came Was working out good. All that hard work was paid off. Yes. Well, it is because yes, now we have... Yes, that hard work is paid off. Yeah, because now we have guest appearances for the next three weeks for you all. So this week's episode, we're going to be discussing what? Can I say it? Sure. We're going to be discussing My Bloody Valentine with with our first guest that we're having is Ben Scrivens from Fright Rags. But yes, we are going to be talking with Ben Scrivens about My Bloody Valentine. I believe it's a movie that he covered on... He talked about of, it. Yeah, on yeah. In Search of Darkness documentaries. It's definitely one of his favorites, you know, so... He picked a bunch of movies for us to talk about, and I feel like the one that would actually be very appropriate to talk about is My Bloody Valentine. And just to try and touch base with everybody, for those of you who don't know who Ben Scrivens is, he is the owner and manager of the company Fright Rags, which sells officially licensed merch and all things horror. And he's sort of like a local celebrity here. He has collaborated with a couple of other businesses in doing horror-related events, such as the Saturday Night Rewinds at the Little Theater, mm-hmm. and getting other local businesses to support and collaborate with them as well, which is a really big deal for us in Rochester. And the big thing was, back in October, he had Joe Bob Briggs at the Saturday Night Rewind to watch and discuss Chopping Mall. Yeah, we covered that last And we last covered year. that episode, yes. yes, we did, which that was a great one. Yes, it was really fun to go and attend one of those. We actually just attended a similar Saturday Night Rewind event. There wasn't really a big guest there, but it was a screening for the movie Get Out, which is a really successful Jordan Peele's feature debut, and it was a really good film to watch on the big screen, and it's a really good time. Yeah. Yeah, those th- those types of things are really fun. Mm-hmm. So, Colin, are you looking forward to our guest discussion I am, tonight? I am looking forward so forward to this that Mm -hmm. i am actually wearing my fright rags halloween polo shirt but we hope you really enjoy this episode this week so without further ado we give you the my bloody valentine episode with ben scrivens today we have our guest ben scrivens the uh, founder of fright rags and how's it going ben it's going great thanks for having me on i appreciate it i know i'm i'm so excited right now this is awesome I know, it's like, when we first met you in person was at the Saturday Night Rewind with Joe Bob Briggs. Which, that was a fun, fun-ass show. Yeah. That was amazing. Oh, my God. Great week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. No, that was, that was fun. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to do it again. We had him out here in 2016, and it was great to have him back here again, because that was before Last Drive-In when he came out here, and now, you know, he's, yeah. he's blown, and he was he's always, a, you know... A, he's always been a legend, yeah. well known, but... He's blowing up since then, yeah. And I think you helped that, kind of. <laughs> I mean, we tried. I mean, I'm glad we were. Look, I don't know if we helped it, but I'm glad we, we, we've been along for the ride because I've known yeah. I've known him for that long. And That's amazing. We've been working with him before our last drive-in. Um, and then, I don't know, it's just it's just so cool. But, um, 
Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it's just been cool to see him just come back into the spotlight. You know, I could just yeah, I I cannot see him without a Scooby Doo outfit now. <laughs> like seriously, just like with him, like I cannot not see that. <laughs> And now we we can't help it because we have the picture of us yeah, with Darcy mm-hmm. yep. on like framed, attached to the poster that we got signed on our living room wall. Amazing! So now we see it That's every awesome. day. Yeah. So I know so all. Cool. I, yeah. All I see is just me right next to Joe, Bob, Scooby. You know, Daphne. This is amazing. That is awesome. So yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I was going to ask you too. Um, when did you first start Freight Rags? So I started this, well, it's 20 years ago this year. Holy um, shit. I started, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started um, in September of 2003. Um, oh. And really, it was just because I was a, such a horror fan mm-hmm. since I was a kid. And I was a uh, graphic designer. That's how, what I got my degree in. And that's what I was doing for my job at the time. I was working for a laptop bag company. So... It was a small company. I was only the third person hired, and I was doing all, like, website and print collateral and product photography. Like, I got to do pretty much anything and everything, um, which was fun, right? Like, it wasn't shoehorned into one thing. My boss was so cool. He's like, yeah, just go for it. Um, And that was fun, but it was also not creatively stimulating for me in Mm -hmm. ways that I wanted to be. And so I, at the time, uh, my, well, I guess she was my fiance at the time. We're married now, obviously. Um... We were living together in an apartment, so we had a lot of free time. We didn't have kids yet. We didn't have a house and all that stuff. And I just really wanted to come up with something to do, like creative. I, I was following a lot of friends, people that I met online that were making, like, fan-made masks, you know, or, or props, things like that. And I was like, man, I want to do I got I to gotta, I gotta do something. And yeah. I, I had a little experience in screen printing, and I liked graphic tees and stuff, but I never had any horror shirts. And I started okay. looking into what was out there, and there really wasn't much. There was a company called Rotten Cotton who seemed to be doing what I wanted to do, but in a different way. I wanted to have a little bit more of a spin to it. Like At the time, I wanted a little more humor or something, something different, not just the poster art. Yeah. And I came up with that in What Would Jason Do? and Because you know, it was What Would Jesus Do? was the big yeah. thing at the time. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, you Hockey Mask D, question mark, that's hilarious. And I couldn't find any instance of it on the internet. Like, I looked online, and I couldn't find any, like, I, I couldn't find anything that had been done in the, you know, that I could see. So, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I was on part of this forum called Night Owl Forums, who mm-hmm. started by Justin Mabry, who went, went on to form Trick or Treat Studios um, oh. with our friend Chris Tepro. Yeah, so he's he's been one of my friends the, for the longest time in this business. Um, and... He was like, dude, you should post this stuff in my forum. I'm like, I, I don't want to, like, spam your forum with my stuff. He's like, no, I'll post it for you. And he did. And people were like, I would totally buy that as a shirt. So I was like, I think I'm just going to – I literally sat there at my job hovering over this buy now button on customing.com. It was going to cost me 600 bucks for 60 shirts. Wow. And I was like, I don't have that kind of money. And my, my wife and I were saving for a wedding, and I literally just clicked the buy now button and – Later on, my wife was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I think I'm going to start like a little business or something. And I need to come up with a name. And I hand-coded the website by myself in HTML. And I figured out how to connect a PayPal button to it and yeah. all the stuff. And I launched it. It was like right after Labor Day weekend 2003 and started getting a few orders. And I was like, I think I'm going to try this. And I found a printer right around the corner from my work 
who worked out of his garage, and he printed all of our shirts for the first five years of the business. So nice. I, after work, I'd drive over there, fill up my truck with shirts, and go home and fold them and put them on my shelves and 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 fill all the orders, whatever I got. Sometimes it was one order a week. Sometimes it was a few, and I would just email people and start working in forums and try to get the word out. And every time I wanted to quit and just be like, this is probably, I should probably move on from this. I'd get an order from somebody in like Australia or something. I'd be like, I can't believe it. I'm just going to keep going. And yeah. eventually it kind of caught on, you know? Nice. That's awesome. And I wanted to uh, talk a little about too, because I know you and Colin had talked about it in our conversations, but you were on the In Search of Darkness documentaries on Shudder. Which it was which is, so good. They're really like good it. documentaries. <laughs> And what They're I like, amazing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I like about it is seeing all the different types of people who work in the horror industry give their opinions about films and stuff. Yeah, but, whether they're big or smaller, you know. Right. Yeah. And I just want to know, like, what's that experience like to be on a horror documentary and talk about what things you're passionate about on camera? It was awesome. I, it's funny when I talk about this because I don't. It, it sounds like I don't want to be. I, I honestly don't want to be tooting my own horn, but. The reason why I'm saying this is because this is the absolute truth. Robin Block, who created this In Search of Darkness, he contacted mm-hmm. me via email. And he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about this horror documentary. Now, in all fairness, sometimes we get requests from people and things. And you just you have to kind of weed through things to kind of see what you want to spend your time on, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, it's just part of it, right? Yeah. And, and, and listen, I love being on podcasts, I love doing all these different things, but you also kind of have to be like, all right, what is, where do I spend my time? So the idea seemed lofty when he pitched it to me. And the reason why I was bringing this up is because he actually was like, you're the first person I'm even telling about this and talking to about this. And I wanted to get some, like, I don't know when I say advice, but he wanted to get my opinions on things. And I was like, into me first? Like, because I'm like, this is crazy. And then now he had already put together, I think the action one, and that was already in the works, I think. Mm-hmm. But he, I, I don't know. It, it, I don't even know. Again, to this day, I don't even know why it would be me. But I was like, well, I think this is amazing. Because once I saw the trailer for the action one, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I want a horror one. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's there. So anyway, we talked on the phone. He's in the UK. So we talked a bunch of times. And mm-hmm. he's like, I don't even remember. Like, we just talked a lot about it and what it would be like. And then he's like, I want you to be in it. And I was like, that would be incredible, number one. Because he's telling all the people he wants to get. And I was like, yeah. that's amazing. Like, I want to see this right now. So anyway, he's like, well, I'm going to be in New York. I want to come interview you. And I go, well, hold up. <laughs> I'm like, you're coming to New York City. We are in Rochester, which is a literal six-hour Yeah. There's a complete difference, like, yes. Like, <laughs> it is, like, the complete, like, UK, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So he goes, oh, no, that's okay. Uh, I'm taking a train up to see you. And I'm like, okay. Oh, shit. So it was, that's an I think it, I want to say it was, like, maybe 2018 or something. It was February. He took a train up. I picked him up at the train station, brought him back to the office. We, he set up his uh, lighting rig and his, phone, uh, his um, film equipment and everything. We shot for two or three hours, I don't remember, went and had dinner, and then I dropped him off at the train station. And I'll be honest, like, I knew he was interviewing a lot of people, but I wasn't sure how everything was going to come together until I, he started showing the trailers and stuff, and of course, these exclusives and things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, I was blown away. I mean... Oh, we were. Yeah, I was, was too. As you know, because you've seen the, the, the films, I mean, honestly, to be a part of it was truly an honor, regardless mm-hmm. of... And again, I don't even know why... I was the person he contacted first. Like that, I, that just blows me away. But like, 
to even be asked to be in it, I was like, because mm. now when I watch it, I go, oh my God, look at like, like a lot of my friends are in it, like people I know, but a lot of yeah. the other people are I'm like, damn, like this is like a cool list to be a part of, right? So I, I feel honored and almost like out of place where I look at it and go, okay, there's everybody and there's me, you know, but I'll take it, you know, yeah. it was great. Yeah. I just watched the third one last week and it was amazing. How, we didn't watch the whole one of that yet, but we yeah. I've seen half of it, and I'm just like, wow, this is really I mean, good so far. It's five and a half hours long. I know. <laughs> Way more than the other ones. Like, seriously. It gets me, all of those get me so excited about horror. Like, yeah. not that I'm not any, as it is, but like, <laughs> it, it like gets all of the synapses firing in my brain because it just hits all the right spots. And exactly. Like, and that's it why makes I love me want, all the movies that I haven't seen that I have to see now or all the ones that I love that I want to see again because I had, you know, you see people talking about it. So it and, and there was a, and there was a movie I saw from the third documentary that I got to see for the first time in a couple weeks ago. And it's called fear. No evil. Oh, that was so good. Like it was so ba- bad, but so great. Do you okay? Wait a minute. So fear no evil. You know where that was filmed, right? Rochester. Yeah, it was filmed here in wow. Thousand Islands. Yeah, in, in Thousand Islands and in and yeah. around Rochester. So, do you also know of a movie called Lady in White? Yes. 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 Which we went to the. Um, I don't know if you remember this. It was a couple years ago, and we get, went to the Saturday Night Rewind for the Lady in White filming showing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You went. I went I with didn't. I went with my best friend Carlos and my other buddy John, and it was the Q and A with the director. Frank, yeah. And, and uh, I asked him a question. I asked him what got him into like horror growing up as a kid, and he was telling mm-hmm. me all like the like the old school like black and white stuff. And I was like yeah. same way with me because that's how I started. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, he Frank's been a. I've gotten to know him over the years. Because of mostly Lady and White, obviously Fear No Evil. Um, I love Lady and White because that was filmed in Lions. Yeah, that's I actually awesome. several years ago he because he lives in Italy. He approached me. He's like, "Hey Ben, um, would you be interested in purchasing the 35 millimeter prints, the the first prints of Fear No Evil and Lady and White?" He goes, "These are the ones that I struck and I would carry with me to studios to try to get distribution." And I was like. Yes, I want them because they need to be what? like not that he couldn't donate them to some place to be archived or but I'm like I want that piece of history. So oh they're God. actually at the little right now. Really? Um, they've been cleaned. Yeah, they're at, they've been cleaned up. Whatever we can show them whenever we want. He doesn't care. So it's like it's cool because we work with the little, so we can show 35 millimeter. Otherwise, what am I doing with prints? I mean, right. I what's the point? Yeah, print. it's funny. I I went down a rabbit hole a little bit because. Halloween is my favorite movie of all time, and I mm. bought the, an original print of that film, which we've shown at the Little every year yeah. uh, for the last six years. That's wow. until awesome, yeah. we can't show it in a print form anymore because it is too old, like it's too brittle now. We just uh, can't do it. Brittle like a cookie. But then I bought I, I bought Halloween four pristine print from um, the lead projectionist at Alamo Draft House. He had a copy of it, and that that was the first one I saw in the theater when I was a kid. Yeah. So. Um, had to have that one but then frank approached me about get, buying those two and he had them he had to ship them from italy to me they came in their canisters or whatever and i think we screened lady in white once did we yeah um but we haven't screened fear no evil yet it was just it, you know to have those knowing that like he it's not just a print it's like the print that he would like shop around and stuff and i'm like this is incredible so yeah um, that's cool that you finally got to watch it and that 
In Search of Darkness made me want to rewatch Fear and Weevil because I haven't seen it in a long time, and I finally got the Blu-ray from you know yeah. Shout Factory. So yeah. it's just it's but, such a good movie, especially like I'm not a religious guy, but the religious story behind the like Fear No Evil, especially with the fall the archangels going after Satan and everything, and I think that was actually really cool and just such a good idea because you didn't see that at the time. Yeah. And he did it really well on a low budget. Even mm-hmm. Lady in White being you know, a fairly low budget movie, it, it, it's just so the way he's able to to craft it. And I mean, I, I don't I actually don't know if he did the score for Fear and Evil, but I know Lady and White he did, and I listen to that score all the time. It is yeah. one of my favorite scores of all time. Period. And it's just cool, like when you when you like a movie, like anyway, but like because it was filmed in your hometown, or like you kind of. No, like I, I go visit the, the the locations, especially from Lady in White and stuff. Oh, man. But then other people like grew up watching it. Maybe they live somewhere else and like, oh yeah, I love Lady White. I'm like, you know about this movie? Or it gets a Blu-ray release from Shout Factory. I'm like, this is amazing. You know? Yeah, which that's, that's awesome, awesome so. too when they do that at Shout Factory. I, that's why I've always loved their stuff. Oh. Yeah, and the cool thing about the In Search of Darkness documentaries, like like we talked about a while ago, I'm somebody who got into horror pretty late so to kind of see all these different movies being discussed it's like getting these really awesome horror recommendations to watch and now i have like an expansive watch list of movies to catch up on very expansive and it's just constantly growing every time i watch a horror documentary like i just watched on shutter they had queer for fear which is the lgbtq love that i've never seen it it was really good, yeah. and it makes me want to watch that movie, Rebecca, just for Mrs. Oh, yeah. Danvers alone, yeah. just for Mrs. Danvers. <laughs> but it, yes. it's it's a really cool like way to kind of get introduced to different types of horror films. And since yeah. there's so many different subgenres of horror, one of my other questions I wanted to ask you was, what is your favorite subgenre of horror, and what's your favorite film uh, from that category? It, it's definitely slasher um, yeah. because that's what I started. I mean, Halloween, again, it was the first movie I saw. I was four years old, yep. um, and it was in 1981. It was the network premiere of the film on NBC. And, oh, my God. Uh, basically, what happened was we were at a friend's house. They they owned a deli downtown Rochester on mm-hmm. Dewey um, and uh, Driving Park, and okay. it's long gone. But they lived in the back and above the deli, and we were over their place. It was the night before Halloween. It was October 30th. It was Friday night, and I was the youngest of four. And, you know, my brothers are off doing something. My sister's off doing something. My parents are sitting there playing cards with their friends. And I'm bored. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, I just want to go home. And she's like, just, you know, like I always say, is like every 80s mom would say, just go watch TV, right? Yeah. And uh, I plopped down in front of their TV. And, you know, there's three stations. And I just turned it on to one. And I heard this music. And I was like, you know, up to that point, I was used to what Scooby-Doo and Popeye, right? So I yeah. like, and I just literally stayed there for two hours. I don't, my parents didn't know what the heck I was doing. They They weren't. They, I was just quiet or whatever, and I watched all of Halloween, and I thought I need to see more of whatever this is. Like exactly. I didn't, I just, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I don't think I was scared because I don't think I could comprehend it. You know what I mean? No. Right. Um, I just knew I liked it. So anyway, after that is was sort of the boom of, of video stores, and we had got a beta machine because Rochester was a testing market for VHS and beta. We went with yeah. beta for a little while, and so every store I go to, I'd look in the horror aisle, and I would say, "Well, what is this?" it's a person in a mask. They're killing somebody. It's, it's the campers or this or that, you know? So I binged as much as I could. And my parents were kind of cool with letting me, like there was a video store about a mile away from my house that I would walk to ride my bike to with my friends. I was 
nine at this point, and every time I'd run a movie, they'd be like, can you see this? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. They would call my parents, and my parents were like, look, can we just sign the back of his rental card and let him rent whatever he wants? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. So I had this, like, golden ticket. So I'd walk in there with my $2.14 and be like, I want my bloody Valentine. I want this and get it. And my friends and I would go watch it. And that's what we did. And it's funny. One of the films I loved so much was Friday the 13th Part 3. Specifically, that was my favorite. And when that video store went out of business, I went in and bought that actual tape that I had rented. And she actually checked. We were the la- My friend and I were the last ones that had rented it like years before that. And I bought the actual physical tape. So it's up in our office now. That's but, um, so cool. Anyway, so Splasher is my favorite subgenre. If I had to pick a favorite other than Halloween, because Halloween just trumps everything in my mind. Right. Um, I, I will say one, it's hard to pick off favorite, but right behind me is that poster for Sleepaway Camp 2. And I'll tell you right now, yeah. Sleepaway Camp 2, is it's up there. Like when I think of slashers, yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to be talking about my buddy Valentine, but Burning, there's a lot of slashers I love, yeah. but Sleepaway Camp 2 is like i saw that when i was like 12 it had just come out and it's pretty much got everything i want in a slasher like it's it's funny i mean you know you're a 12 year old boy you like the nudity <laughs> you know you've got the, uh, the gruesome kills but they're inventive kills yeah that's cool like yeah. it's not just i mean he, and quite frankly the killer is a woman which is awesome right like that's right. pretty cool and i never it never really hit me until later on. I was like, oh, it's actually different. I was just like, she's badass, and she's killing these people in these amazing ways. But to me, it was just so entertaining, and it's one of those movies I can just put on at any moment and just get sucked into and love it because it's just fun. It's just it's so much fun. And you could tell they were having fun on the set. Yeah. And they actually shot part three a week after that, and oh, all yeah. the people that got killed off that movie were crew members for part three and helped them the set. <laughs> yeah. So, like, That's awesome. Oh, cool. It is really cool. It's just neat. Yeah, and it's funny because we watched that, I think. We talked about it, too. Yeah, we watched it last year to kind of prepare us for an episode. He kept telling me, he's like, you know who that girl is, right? He's like, that's Pamela Springsteen. I did it each time, and she's like, we get it. We get it. It's Pamela. I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, I know who her brother is. Oh, my God. And then same thing with, uh, what was the other girl? Her brothers are charlie and emilio estevez yeah 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 and he kept yep. bringing it up too and i'm like i get it <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah it's oh funny God. oh that's awesome but, yeah so that's i mean i'm just saying it because it's right behind me but it, it is true like actually in, in uh the other the theater room there i have a uh, sleepaway camp two up there too and i have a poster <sighs> in my office at the uh, downtown so it's like i have I love Sleepaway Camp too, and three. I mean, I like the first one. Don't get me wrong; yeah. the first oh, one's yeah. amazing. I prefer the second two and three one. Three were done by a different person, and they're just a different yeah. type of movie. And I just that's that's my jam. <laughs> yeah, right. It's and a, they're both very yeah. creative. And yeah, I think pretty much, yeah. And I think when we talked about it with our friend Adam, he said, I think he said the fourth one was his favorite. Yeah, the fourth one was his favorite. Weirdly enough, Return to Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, I think so. Is I, that what he's talking? Yeah, that, which that brought when, back the original um, uh, Angela Baker. Yes, that's returned. Yeah, yeah. Felissa they Rose. did a part four that was in a box set, but all it was was footage that Michael Simpson, who did two and three, mm-hmm. shot. But it wasn't. It was like 
just people running through the woods. Like it had nothing to do with anything, but it was Bill to Sleepaway Camp Four. But it wasn't really wasn't a movie. It was just footage. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Return. Yeah, Return is basically part four. That's know? interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this is a little off subject, but I know you were talking about Halloween and everything, and I know you love that. But it's so funny. I'm actually wearing your polo shirt. The Halloween polo oh, shirt. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. My, my face is in the lower right, so I didn't see anything. But that's amazing. Yeah, be like, hello. Yes. Yeah. Our camera's kind of like much better. No, but I'm, I'm a huge polo guy. I've always loved polos, and my first job was working at a golf course. So literally, I was a huge horror fan. So I was like, can like, can you actually do horror movies and golf polo shirts? And I saw your thing, and I was like, I had to have one. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to, when we came up with that concept, because a lot of people are doing button-down, short sleeve button-down shirts, but they have all of the graphics, which is great. They look awesome. I have a yeah. couple myself from different companies and stuff. But um, I was like, I want to do something like that, but I don't want to just copy that. What yeah. would we do? I'm like, it would be cool to have, like, an understated, like, oh, by the way, you know, you look just casual, but yet it's Halloween. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really and I love it, yeah. I want to wear it for everything. And I've had a few people like see it at work. Like I've had, because I work in billing and I have patients coming in and stuff and they see the shirt and they're like, oh my God, is that a freight rack shirt? And I'm like, how do you know that? Oh, and and it's like, awesome. they and some of them don't even know freight rags or any of that, but they see the shirt and like, that is so nice. Like, it's like, where, like, where could I get one? And I was just like, yeah, I got a freight rags. The double take moment where people don't think of it and then they go, wait a minute, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. so. I know it's so funny that you he, like he can get away with stuff like that. I work in billing, and this is the closest thing I could wear in my office. It's an Ice Nine Kills hoodie that yeah. I got when they came to. Oh yeah! But yeah, they came to Rochester in November, and we went and saw them with my sister and brother-in-law. And I had to get a hoodie because I was like so in love with that band right now. I wanted to check him out. I've talked to Spencer a bunch of times, and uh, he and I were going to work together on a shirt. We haven't done it yet, but um, but yeah, he's a really cool guy. And we were actually, it's funny, we've talked a bunch of times in the past, but he and I were on the same podcast right after Halloween ends. Our our mutual friend, Zach Myers from Shinedown, have he and I and uh, uh, Jimmy Champagne from YouTube on this podcast. I didn't know Spencer was me. I'm like, oh, it's cool. So we're all together chatting about Halloween ends and our like thoughts on it. And stuff. Oh, that's he's so a, cool. He's a really nice guy. I kind of got into them about a year and a half ago. My sister reached out to me and she's like, have you ever heard of Ice Nine Kills? And I'm like, no, I mean, I've heard of them. But I've never heard their music. And she's like, mm-hmm. I definitely think you would like them. She's like, they have a lot of horror themed music that is right up your alley. And she recommended I listen to the song Assault and Batteries, which is the Child's Play song. And then I listened to it on the mm-hmm. ride home, and I was just so fascinated by their stuff. Man, just got addicted. And they're so theatrical live as well. As far as I know, he or, yeah, I think he's from around here. Oh, really? He used to, I, yeah. I know I, some I, of the I, guys I, are. I speaking, well, yeah, at least one of the guys was or in his, like, like the original part of the band or something. Mm-hmm. They have ties to Rochester, and I don't, I don't know exactly what they are, so I'm kind of speaking out of school here because I don't really know for sure. But I do know they have ties to Rochester. They actually filmed one of their their music videos not too far from here. Oh, cool! Uh, several years ago. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I don't know what, but yeah. I was gonna say since we're gonna be talking uh-huh. about My Bloody Valentine, um, I know Colin's been listening to one of their songs. I think it's Take Your Pick. Yeah, Take Your Pick, which is the My Bloody Valentine song. Which I kind of like about Ice on Kills because they take the mood of the movies and put it into the song, and also the lyrical aspect yeah. of it, especially like 
the origin, the history, or like like the narrative of the killer itself to talk into like the lyric of the songs. And I'm just like, this yeah. is really, really good. Like, it's really genius. It's like when you hear a grave mistake, which is about the crow, you can tell the mood, the feeling, and everything it is the crow. It's like, take your pick. Yeah. My Bloody Valentine, you could tell because the total brutality of the screaming in that in that song is really that movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, it's great. He's, you can tell he's a real fan. It's not oh, just yeah. uh, putting on airs or something. He is, like, totally immersed in the world. And it's cool to see him doing, like, horror conventions and stuff, too. Yeah. He just put on his own horror uh-huh. what, late yeah. last year, right? Yeah. Uh, how cool is that, Incredibly, yeah. And I, I actually just saw something on Instagram last night about how they're doing a second uh, convention this year in Danvers, Massachusetts, oh, I, and I want to go. Ow, ow, ow. Yes, yes, we will. Ow. <laughs> yeah, because we went to Salem, Massachusetts for our honeymoon a couple years ago, and yeah. I've been oh, dying nice. to go back to Massachusetts. It's yeah, so could, beautiful there. Oh, amazing. There. And it was beautiful. It was. You could tell you're going to Salem because once you like pass New York, you see all the fog. And all the fog is coming in more and more, and then that's when you know you're heading into mass. Also, when we passed yeah. that state line, my GPS is like, welcome to Massachusetts. And I was like, yay! And then I <laughs> see the fog, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> we have arrived. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Shall we get into my bloody valentine? We shall come into. I mean, go into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so my bloody valentine was released on February 11th of 1981. It has a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes and was directed by George Mahalka, I believe. I'm yep. really bad at pronouncing yep. names, so I might do yeah. this quite often. And I found... <laughs> well, you got that one right, so you're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I'd like to find like a bunch of these fun facts off of IMDb, but source said that Quentin Tarantino has named My Bloody Valentine as his all-time favorite slasher film. That checks. <laughs> That's yeah. when, that's when you know it's a good film. Yeah, I actually, oh, yeah. I actually listened to this podcast called Talk Scary to Me, and it's hosted by Danielle Harris. And, Danielle Harris, and yep. yeah, 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 and they, she's been talking a lot about Quentin Tarantino stories, and she's like, oh my god, she's like, he's so into movies, and I'm like, this checks out then because yeah. it's such a bizarre brutal like you said brutal slasher film so i can definitely see him like even the way he directs too some of his killing scenes in his movies are like incredibly brutal Mm -hmm. and almost a bit exaggerated like there was a scene there was a scene from the django unchained that i watched where jamie fox shoots somebody and they blow back like 10 feet i'm like that is exaggerated to the max oh yeah but i thought that was really interesting so it stars Paul Kelman as Tom Hanniger, mm-hmm. Don Franks as Chief Jake Newby, Laurie Hallier as Sarah Palmer, Neil Affleck as Axel Palmer. Any relation of Ben Affleck? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, no. th- this guy's okay. Canadian. No, yes, no. Okay. Yeah. Tom Kovacs as Mike Stavinsky, and Terry Waterland as Harriet. I almost thought and- they said Hamlet, but yes, no, it's Harriet. <laughs> And the synopsis goes, a decades-old folktale surrounding a deranged murderer killing those who celebrate Valentine's Day turns out to be true to legend when a group defies the killer's orders and people start turning up dead. I guess the first thing we can talk about is what are our initial thoughts about this movie? Like, what are we thinking? What are we, th- what are we feeling? I hate, Colin? I hate when you always ask me that because it's like <laughs> I'm right on the spot. So... <laughs> 
But I feel like definitely for the beginning of the movie was definitely um, weird, especially with the two uh, miners going into the mi- into the thing, and it turns out one of them is a woman, and she oh, yeah, has the heart sh- the heart shaped tattoo, and like I just love how like the pickaxe just went through that and just hit right through the tattoo. I just thought that was sick. Oh yeah, I mean, and the cool thing is, what was it about ten years ago? Shelf Factory finally put out; they were able to put out the uncut version. Um, and I know that original Blu-ray had the uncut scenes that weren't cleaned up, so you could totally tell when it was like the edited version, yeah. or you know the what the the uncut part. But now with the the newest version of it, from what I remember, because I just watched it the other night, they're intercut really well in the sense that you almost can't tell anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it adds more gore, but that was one of the scenes where he hits her with a pickaxe. But I mean, in the uncut version, you see a lot more, like just blood and everything. Yeah. No, I was just say I love this movie. Like with being in 1981 in the start of the slasher craze, mm-hmm. and you know, Friday the Thirteenth had already come out. I think Part Two was out that year, if I'm not mistaken. Part Three was '82. I mean, Halloween Halloween Two came out in 1981, so. You're you're really firmly in this like slasher golden era where of course let's take a holiday and, and make a horror movie out of it. You know, slashers were making money. Um, Paramount distributed My Bloody Valentine, even though it was Canadian production, but Paramount yeah. was doing that Friday thirteen films at the time, so they were clearly trying to bank on it. Um, yep. I, I mean, obviously, there's other great ones. I think The Prowler came out in 1981 as well. It's yep. another great uh, slasher. So. It follows all these tropes, but yet it still rises above a lot of them in my mind because of the, I think, the acting. I think the characters, I like, uh, so we do a live, like, well, it's, it's on Discord now, but we used to be on Twitter, so we call it Terror Tweet. We do it every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of friends of mine can join in. Anybody can join in. But anyway, we, huh. we pick a movie, um, and, and we do it every Friday or Saturday, depending if Joe Bob's on. Um, and we all start at 10 p.m. And, and we just we just live tweet it right. Yeah. And so we do my bloody Valentine. Sometimes we do the 3D version. Sometimes we do this one. <laughs> and anyway, uh, this past week we had done the original. And I was like, I want to hang out with these people. Exactly. I want to yeah. be their party. I want to be there. So right. Yeah. That doesn't always happen in slashers or any movie, right? No. Like I can. I, I mean, look, right. I love Friday Thirteenth series, but I I don't necessarily want to go hang out with those people. These are people I want to chill with. You right. know what I mean, so it brought you into their world. Is it, it, happy as the bartender? Yeah, he's definitely like the crazy Ralph of the group. Yep. Who cares? Uh-huh. Yep. It's right. so much fun. I just want to go there. It's exactly. just a Canadian version of Friday the Thirteenth, and like, but you want to hang yeah. out with these guys. Like, I want to go in the shower with them, or I want to like hang out at the bar with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's so go work in the mine with them. Right? Yeah, I, right. I would be down for that. Yeah, and it's so interesting. You brought up a couple of points that I had written down because when you talked about the slasher flick boom of the early 1980s, um, producers Andre Link and John Dunning said that the film's origin came about when they sought to find a holiday, which a slasher film had not been done yet uh, during the 80s. And when they settled on Valentine's Day, and in order to keep the idea from being copied, they made the film's working title called The Secret Mm -hmm. through they had the release title in mind. So it was really interesting that you brought that up. And then I read somewhere else, too, that I think it was like the the week before shooting, all the cast members went down to Nova Scotia at the location and they all hung out that first week together just so they can yeah. kind of have like that tight knit d- 
dynamic. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And I feel like oh, that yeah. was... Oh, yeah. I mean, I... No, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That that was kind of like the thing I noticed when I was listening to the Christmas uh, podcast that... Uh, who's the guy that stars in the Christmas story? Um, he, um, he had his... Peter, Peter Bill- Billingsley. Yeah, yeah Peter he, Billingsley. He had his own uh, Christmas podcast that he had. And he was talking about a Christmas story where how him and like the director, Bob Clark, had the kids all bond together to be friends to have this tight knit so they can make it look so real in the movie. So that's like kind of like the same thing like in 80s movies. That's what they did for a lot of these actors to be so close, tight knit. And that's what made the movie so great. And that's what I liked about this movie, My Bloody Valentine, because they did that with all the guys. And they were just like just yeah. so close and just so just seemed like a family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I, um, I, so Paul Kelman unfortunately passed away uh, mm-hmm. last year, but uh, several years ago, this was back in 2017. It's actually almost exactly six years ago now. We had done this. I got in touch with him on Facebook somehow, um, and we were talking, and he, we, I wanted him to sign. We were doing pins for my buddy Valentine. Uh-huh. This is before we actually got the license. We were doing it because Paramount said that they didn't have the rights for merch and it was a whole thing so we're like well we're gonna do this special release so he lives in toronto which as you know isn't that far away yeah so mm-hmm. i drove up there one day with like 200 you know enamel pins in, in my <laughs> box with the backers and i hung out with him all day at his apartment he and his uh, girlfriend and we just sat there and he was signing i have pictures of us together and uh he was the coolest guy man and he told me so many stories about the movie and the set and stuff and we just, I don't know, we just hung out and we're friends, you know what I mean? Like, it was just so cool. Like, I couldn't believe it. It was an amazing day, and then I just drove home, and we kept in contact after that a little bit and everything. Not, like, all the time, but, you know, here and there, and always wish each other happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was, uh, it was just, it was great, but it echoes what you were saying, because he would, you know, say stories about them hanging out and, and how it was on set and everything, and it was like, wow, like, that is super cool that because again it, it comes off in the film you see it yeah and oh, yeah in in 2010 no it was 2011 because i think it was the 20th right no thir- i'm sorry 30th anniversary of the yeah. film i mm-hmm. bet they did a reunion at monster mania and a bunch of the guys were there um paul wasn't there I, i'm trying to remember if neil was there i have the photo too i know um alf humphreys was there and he, unfortunately he's since passed i think peter uh-huh. copper was there i think tim murchison was there rob stein i think but anyway these guys were great they were having the best time they were coming over to our table we were giving them my believe Allen church they were wearing our shirts we were getting pictures together oh but they God. were just like you could tell they were like friends like they were just so cool they were it was just so much fun with them like they were such cool guys and uh we just recently worked with a lot of them with our trading card set because they did autographs for us. So we worked with Tom Kovacs and Neil Affleck and actually Helene, Helene Udi, uh, Lori mm-hmm. Hallier. So they, they were so – but when I reached out to them about – and George Mahalka uh, helped put all this together because um, we worked with him and then John Dunning's son, Greg, who took over the rights to everything. So we work directly with them now. They're just the coolest people because everyone's like, I can't believe people still love this film. So I, my whole point of bringing all this up is, is that what you're saying about them, them being friends on set and whatever, they were, they're genuinely, they love the fact that this movie has this fan base. And they're like, right. oh, could I get a set of cards too? And I'm like, of course. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's they, awesome. They just, they, they just think it's so cool that there's fans out there that still love this film. So 
it's neat when you have people in a movie that you like that are just they love the fact that they're a part of something that people love if that makes sense yeah you know it's roundabout ways yeah Yeah. i think that's how we felt when we went to conventions we've been to a couple and we went to 2018 2019 we went to the scare conventions and it was it's always so fun to go to those and to like be around other horror fans who actually appreciate and like enjoy being there and it was really fun when we went and we got to hang out with some of like our favorite like actors and stuff that i that we grew up with and especially for me because i'm a huge american werewolf in london fan i'm a i'm a diehard of that and so when i saw david naughton i felt like um who did i feel like i felt like either wayne or garf when they met alice cooper for the first time and i'm just sitting there like yeah like but not that part just me staring at him like oh my god it's david naughton he was so he, starstruck. He, he wants to we're not worthy that's yes. what i felt like i think i did that in front of him and he's just like stop that no, he was like kidding. i don't know what to say to him I'm like just go say hi and then i was the funniest thing was i go up to walk up to him and then the second layer, I was like, I can't do it. And I walked the other way. <laughs> and I walked the other way. And, oh, Ali- no. and Aaliyah got me. And she's like, Colin, get back here. And she got me. I'm like, me. I'm going to go talk to him say hi. So yeah. I walked up. I was like, hi, my husband is a huge fan of and your movie. I'm in the corner. I'm like, hi. <laughs> no, but I He's got. He's the nicest guy, though. He, he is. is. Super, like, super nice guy. Like, he, we sent him some shirts because he. So yeah. what we did, and he's like, "I'll post about." It. I'm like, "That's so cool." I, I actually yeah. ended up. I, this is probably TMI, but I peed next to him at a show once. Like, <laughs> no joke. Like I know it's. I want to pee right next to him. We were at Monster Mania, and I was at you know you got to go to the bathroom. I was at the yeah. urinal, and I was right. like, "Oh hey, what's up?" Oh my god! <laughs> this is so like it was so weird. Actually, but he, actually, I mean, I don't know him really well, or whatever. But I know he's such a nice guy. Like, yeah, he's such a cool guy. We got to party with him and uh, a few of the others too, because we were like VIP and everything for the thing for the. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. it was so funny. There's a picture of me drinking and partying with uh, Courtney Gaines, who is Malachi from Chilling of the Corn, and yeah. the Creeper. Oh yeah, 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 Courtney. Yeah. And the and the Creeper, and they're both mm-hmm. in one photo with me, and we're drinking together. And it's awesome. And it was, uh, yeah, it was quite amazing. But I do want to get back to my life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're we're ADHD rabbit hole. That's what we are. Oh, my God. (laughs) So director George Maholka once said that the shooting location in Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia, was chosen because of its rustic atmospheric appearance. However, when the locals found out that a movie was to be shot there, they decided to spend $50,000 to have the mine painted and cleaned. Wow. This, of course, diminished the reason that the production wanted the location to begin with, and Maholka said that $75,000 of the film's budget was then used to return the mine to its original state for shooting. That's quite amazing, especially when a town like that is like really behind it, and they're like, you know, we are willing to help, so we'll do all this stuff. Yeah, and then they have to undo it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but for me, it just seems like that's something that Canadians would do, I think. Oh, yeah. They're, they're nice... They're nice people. It just seems like something that they would do, and yeah, and it's and it's Nova, funny. Yeah, Nova Scotia, from what I know, is it has some mining co- like towns, but it's also like one of those marine islands that's like off the coast of the mainland. Yeah. Yep. So it's very small, like small knit community. Yeah, very so much so. I'm pretty sure they were very very excited to hear that a movie was being shot there. 
Yeah. I can it's feel like telling your kid to clean up the room because he's having somebody over, you know what I mean? It's like, right. you gotta clean it up, you gotta sweep, you gotta vacuum, you gotta do all this stuff, we're ready for you, and they come in and they're like, no, we wanted it dirty, like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, that's awesome. No, it's funny, the Trailer Park Boys are from Nova Scotia. Oh, yeah, I've never seen Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, did you know that? I uh, No, I didn't know that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a little familiar with them. I haven't really watched them, but I didn't know yeah. they were from there. I know it's a bit remote in terms of getting there. Yeah. A friend of mine was just up there. Another friend of mine just hosted an event there um, over the weekend. They showed My Bloody Valentine at the mine. I think it was at the uh, mine or it was at one of the places. Maybe it was at the place where they have a party. I don't know. But um, <laughs> anyway, a friend of mine was up there for it, and she said that it was like a long day of travel to try to get back. Oh, I bet, yeah. Um, so it's kind of the outskirts. I've always wanted to travel up there, but I saw pictures of people were posting online of pictures of what it looks like now. And it honestly, it looks, a lot of it looks the same. Obviously the mine's closed. I don't know if they were able to go to the mine. Maybe they weren't able to go there, but a lot of the places at least still stand, you know, they might look different, but they're still there. Um, that would be a fun town to, to go visit. Right. I'd be partying there. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny cause I'm also, I'm Canadian, but I'm French Canadian. And I'm not from Canada, but I have uh, heritage from there. So yeah, that was like right. that was like one of the first few things I learned about Kyle when we first started dating. He's like, I'm a quarter French Canadian. Like, <laughs> but no, all right. But I I love I love my Canadian culture. So yes, for a quarter Canadian, I love my Canadian culture. <laughs> That's great. I I love special effects makeup stuff it, mm-hmm. it was always something that i wanted to pursue when i was younger because the creativity in it is just so phenomenal in movies mm-hmm. so one of the things i found too was according to makeup effects artist thomas r berman one of his goriest creations was realistic enough that the director threw up at the sight of it <laughs> and apparently one of the makeup designers once shipped a dummy corpse to the set in a coffin which caused much alarm when it arrived at Canadian Customs, which I find very funny. <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. It is awesome. I love that. that. And I really wish, because yeah. when we first saw it, we watched it on HBO Max, and it unfortunately was the edited version, so we didn't get to see a lot of that gore and makeup. But mm-hmm. then we watched the Dead Meat Kill Count video yeah. with those scenes in it, and it's so freaking cool. I just mm-hmm. wish that like they kept those in there. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, at least you can buy it now like that because you can get the Shout Factory version, which has it in there. But you're right. I, I mean, it, it does elevate the film a bit, like in the sense that I mean, it's a great film to begin with, and it's yeah. it's a great watch. But it just makes it much more entertaining when you get to see a little bit extra effects, you know? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and I think that's what I've always loved, especially like the early '80s, like horror movies. Even any '80s horror movies is the special, is the uh, the special effects. You know, like right. you yeah. know, to to some now it looks dumb, but I think for me growing up, I find it amazing that they even had the time to make all that. Oh yeah, I mean, I just like you. I wanted to do it myself too. Like I would spend time with latex. I would make my own fake blood and you know, show my mom, like, look what I did, you know, it's like a magic trick, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And again, I'm not even like, if I, I, I don't really like the real stuff, you know what I mean? But man, if I see a head getting chopped off in a movie, I'm like, that is incredible, you know? Yeah. And it's so interesting too, because when we were talking about like the In Search of Darkness documentaries, I know Tom Savini was on that as well. And he was talking about his experience as a special effects makeup artist and in his days, in the 80s, he said, that, you know, you didn't have a school 
to go and learn this stuff from. You had to learn from other makeup artists and learn their tips and tricks and incorporate your own flair into what you were doing. And it's so cool, too, that he's got his own special effects production, like, school. It's really cool. He's definitely a makeup artist that I admire and look up to. I mean, he's a pioneer of a lot of stuff that we saw in the 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. he invented so much. I mean, he was, well, you know this, I'm sure, but he, I mean, he was a photographer in Vietnam, so mm-hmm. he saw a oh, lot. Yeah. And obviously Dawn of the Dead, Friday the 13th, Brawler, like, there's so many movies that he worked on, and when you look at a lot of, even The Burning, like, you see some of the stuff, and you're like, how did he do that? You know, like, even Kevin Bacon and Friday the 13th, you know, he's sitting there, it's him, he's reacting, he's smoking a joint, all of a sudden an arrow goes through his neck, and you're like, how did that, but yeah, it was him, and right. it's funny now that, you know, it's on Blu-ray and, and all these, like, high-definition things, you can actually yeah. see lines of the makeup and stuff, but, like, yeah. it doesn't matter, really, because it's so, like, like, how did you do that? And he invented right. it this way, and it's like, it, and again, he calls it, like, a magic trick, you know? Yeah. He, and it's just, like, it's just incredible. Yeah, he's definitely one of the one of the pioneers for sure. Yeah, yeah so. I mean that's why they call it movie magic. So yeah, that's, yeah, awesome. that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. But for oh, yeah. but for my bloody Valentine specifically, we have Thomas R. Berman to thank for all the incredible gory scenes that are on the uncut edition. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to look for that when I go shopping for horror film DVDs. Oh yeah, because we oh, yeah, for yeah. sure mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. We'll start the plot. And the plot goes, and I've interjected some other behind-the-scenes stuff that kind of correspond with certain aspects of the movie. The movie starts with, inside a mineshaft, a female miner takes off her gear in front of another miner. And when the woman performs a strip tease, the miner pushes her into a mining pickaxe, killing her. And I kind of like what you brought up earlier, Colin, about the heart-shaped tattoo. Mm-hmm. It's almost like foreshadowing, in a way, of what he's about to do to her. And especially how that heart comes into play later on in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, your heart's going to get broken. And in this movie, that is a true example of that, for sure. Yeah. It definitely sets up uh, the theme, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's it's true, too, right? Like, if you think about it, this is the first time I'm thinking about this, but, like, the beginning of the movie, you don't know it's Valentine's Day, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't have to be Valentine's Day, right? So Hmm. it's interesting that they do choose to show that and it kind of leads it off, you know? Right, especially since I think the title card doesn't card. <laughs> the title card doesn't come until after that scene, I think. So yeah, yeah it really is setting up the That's moment. Right. Which I love what they did with the title card too, especially with the animation of the blood coming uh, down from the heart. Yeah. And you could tell that's an 80s thing when they do stuff like that. And I was just like, I'm like, I'm t- when I saw that, I was like, I'm sold. I'm, I'm I want to watch this movie now. Oh yeah, the hand-drawn little blood droplets <clears throat> and stuff. Yeah. 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 Mayor Hanniger of Valentine Bluffs, a Canadian mining town, <clears throat> reinstates the traditional <throat> Valentine's Day dance, which has been suspended for 20 years. The dance is stopped 20 years ago after an, in- an accident in which two supervisors left five miners in the mines to attend the dance, and because they forgot to check the methane gas levels in the mining tunnels, they were there was an explosion that caused the mining tunnels to cave in and trap the miners. Harry Warden, the only survivor, resorted to cannibalism to survive and went insane from the ordeal. And the next year, he murdered the two supervisors who left their posts the previous year, cut out their hearts, and placed them in Valentine's candy boxes, with a note from Harry warning the town never to hold the Valentine's Day dance ever again, or he will commit more killings. Warden was placed in an insane asylum, and the accident was forgotten, so the dance resumed. 
A group of young residents is excited about the dance. These group, of course, being Gretchen, Dave, Hollis, Patty, Sylvia, Howard, Mike, John, Tommy, and Harriet. Sarah, Axel, and the mayor's son, TJ, are involved in a tense love triangle. A very <laughs> weird, bizarre love triangle also. I don't know if it's going to touch base on this in my notes, but... Essentially what happens is TJ, I guess, after high school, he left to go move West Coast. He wanted and to make something of himself over there. I think so. And then it didn't work out for him, so he moves back home. And he's kind of, I don't want to say he's a pariah, but it just seems like it's that way. Yeah, his father made him like think of like something bad. It was like, oh, he did shitty in like California. Now he's back here in the mines. Deal with it, you know. It's like he made him like that type of character. Yeah, it's like they. It's like he came back and his dad was like, "Well, just work in the mine then. That's all you're ever gonna probably amount to, or whatever." And yeah. It's it's an interesting twist, not twist, but like it does add this interesting element to the film that again, I don't. You don't see in a lot of other movies that has a like a, almost like a B plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to in my head. I mean, I understand that other movies of the slasher genre or whatever have sort of like subplots or, or things happening, but this was definitely when I think of it more of a a subplot that wasn't leading. Well, it did have a lot to do with who was the killer, right? Because it's right. like, is it yeah. TJ? Is it? Well, so that did have this crux, but it. I don't know. It's a very interesting device, I think, that was used that I, it feels, I don't know if I can articulate it right, but it feels different than other movies that even have a whodunit component, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, up at, of that time, obviously, like, Scream kind of did that, you know? Yes. Um, um, you know, is is Billy the killer and stuff like that, but, like, I don't know. There, I, I, there's a uniqueness about My Bloody Valentine with the love triangle and these friends and stuff that just makes it so interesting to me. And again, I, I, for years when I would watch this movie, cause you know, you only watch it usually once a year. Yeah. Early on, I'd always be like, wait a minute, who was the killer again? But I'd start watching this movie. I forget. You know? right. Um, that actually happens more with the remake than it does with this. Obviously now. Yeah. I know. Which I do. There was a few times where I was like, wait a minute, who's the killer? You know? Yeah. Right. Which we also saw, I haven't watched the remake yet, but we no. did watch the Kill Count video for the For remake. Dead Meat, yeah. Yeah. When they did a Dead Meat episode oh, of, like, Kill Count. Is, I'll tell you, I don't want to digress too much, but the remake was solid. Like, yeah. they did a great job, especially of its, and I hate to say this because it feels like it came out yesterday, even though it was 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. Of its time, mm-hmm. um, dare I say, when, when a lot of these remakes are coming out or reboots like Friday 13th even Nightmare on Elm Street all these it did a great job injecting a new life into this film but not heart hurting the original film and actually creating a story that wasn't exactly the same so you actually really honestly that was one where I'm like I actually don't remember the killer in this one and I've seen it several times at this point yeah. but it's a fun movie so absolutely watch it when you have a chance I, but, yeah. um, right. I, I just um, love that they had Tom Atkins in it yes I love Tom oh. Atkins. And the way he gets, well, you probably saw it because of the killing. The way he gets killed is so yeah. brutal. And yeah. in 3D, it is fantastic. It's, <laughs> I'm so glad they released because I saw it in the theaters in 3D, and I'm glad mm. they released a real, actual 3D version because I can watch it at home in 3D, and it is, like, spectacular when you see everything coming out at you. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, well, Tom is the best anyway, but anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. He's the man, no matter what. Like, that dude, he can, oh, like, yeah. oh, my God. I think the one movie I have not seen of him yet in is Night of the Creeps. And I want to see that whole movie. That's his favorite role. Yeah. Yes. His favorite role that he's ever done, Night of the Creeps, is his favorite role. Absolutely. We, again, I don't want to digress too much. We had That's um, Tom and Fred Decker out here in Rochester in 2010 for a whole weekend. What? And so Friday night, yeah, when we were at the Dryden at the time, we weren't working with a little, we showed The Fog and Halloween 3 on Friday night. And then uh. on Saturday, we showed Monster Squad and um, uh, Night of the Creeps. And Tom's favorite movie. <laughs> I had known Tom, Tom a little bit before that, but they were out here all weekend and we got to hang out all weekend. I mean, Tom and I actually went down to Charlotte Beach on, on Saturday and hung out. There was that restaurant there. We hung out just for several hours talking and then... He and Fred and I both nights were up really late drinking at the hotel and talking and the stories they were saying. And oh, my God. It was incredible. And Tom and I have been friends ever since, and we keep in touch and stuff. He's a great guy. but um, And Fred is, too. It was just a magical weekend. But That's awesome. Seeing seeing those movies on the big screen. I mean, I was sitting next to Tom while we were watching, you know, Halloween 3 in the fog, and it was just like. Oh, my God. Uh, I love Halloween 3. I, I'm so, for um, the only oh, time I'm jealous. It's so crazy. <laughs> Um, but it was it was a magical weekend, and so many people came out for it. It was just it was just a great experience for everybody involved. It was just mm-hmm. so much fun, and Tom was so cool. I mean, we picked him up from the airport. No, yeah, we picked him up from the airport, and he's, he's funny. We went to dinner, and then we were gonna take him back to the hotel. And he's like, "Hey, uh, drop me off at of that Red Wings game." And I'm like, "Okay." So we dropped him off, and then we picked him up later. And then we went out, and you know, <laughs> it was just. <laughs> coolest man that is awesome but, um, that is so sweet yeah so he's he's just he's super cool um yeah i don't know what else to say about it but he, he's just amazing but to see him in that film and oh um God. obviously he's you know todd farmer put him in that film and he put him in drive angry a few years later which is a, a fun movie if you've ever seen it that's <laughs> a pretty interesting movie that's um, cool yeah Oh my god! But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely see the remake. It, it's it's totally worth it. I think it really holds up. Again, the classic will always be the classic, but this is yeah. absolutely up there with being able to watch in in line with the original for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, I know. I feel like they definitely did some parts from the remake to like go in line with the original, but a little yeah, different. There was a couple of homages mm-hmm. where they recreated certain scenes from the original that I I like. I mean, like the death scenes. I. Yeah. I do enjoy remakes. I mean, originals, like you said, are always the classics, but Mm -hmm. I like seeing how people take on remakes because Mm. sometimes you get shot for shot, frame for frame, but then you get, like, totally unique, originally thought out remakes. The one I didn't like, though, the most um, was the Child's Play remake that came out (sighs) in 2019 or 18. Yeah, I I actually liked it, but I didn't... It did, to me, it wasn't a Chucky movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was a child's play movie. It wasn't yeah. the yeah. same. So. It was yeah. more like AI horror than Chucky. You know what I mean? Like It's kind of like Megan. It just, it's aspect. like it just used the title. If they took the title out of it, it would have been fine. Right. You know I mean? Right. Yeah. So, getting back into the plot. So, Mayor Hanniger and the town's police chief, Jake Newby, receive an ominous box of Valentine chocolates containing a human heart and a note warning that murders will begin if the dance proceeds. That evening, resident Mabel is murdered by a mining-geared killer in a laundromat, and her heart is removed. Newbie publicly reports that she died of a heart attack to prevent a panic, 
and he contacts the mental institution where Harry Warden was incarcerated, but they have no record of him. Hanniger and Newby cancel the dance, but the town's youngsters decide to hold their own party at the mine. A bartender Mm -hmm. warns them against this, but is killed by the miner while trying to set up a dummy miner to scare the group. (laughs) At the party, the miner brutally kills Dave. His heart is subsequently found boiling in a pot of hot dogs being prepared in the kitchen. (laughs) Shortly after, Sylvia is impaled on a showerhead by the miner. When the others realize Dave and Sylvia have been murdered, they contact authorities, but several of the partygoers have already decided to enter the mines for fun. And an interesting note I found was actor Carl Marotti, who played David, or Dave, the first our first victim of the party, uh-huh. said that while his death scene with his death scene makeup on, no one would eat lunch near him. Which <laughs> checks. I mean, like, I wouldn't either, honestly. I mean And I love how subtle it is that his dead body is in the freezer while people are just mingling and hanging out in there. Like, I think it was Sylvia's boyfriend who actually, like, opens up the door and you can see him sitting there, doesn't see him at all, and just grabs a beer and carries on with the night. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm like, does nobody see this? No, they've done that in movies before where they open up the fridge or anything and, like, there'll be a dead body in there and they don't notice it and they grab something out of it and just go. You know, because they don't care. Like Another... Another favorite slasher of mine, and I forgot to mention this earlier, was Slumber Party Massacre. And they yeah. do that. Oh, that's funny. That's such a good film. The, oh, I love it. The yeah. second one is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Oh. It's the oh big drill. The second one's wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so extra. Yeah. The, the second one is ridiculously funny, but cool. But man, that first one, that's another. I could watch that in Sleepaway Camp 2, like back to back all the time. I just love those movies. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, really it's the trope of opening it up and, and grabbing the beer, looking this way, and they're just like laying there. It's it's, it's great. I will. Oh, I love it. I gotta will, ring that back. Yeah, I will give them credit though when they pull the heart out of the pot. It doesn't look like a heart at first glance. I mean, the shape of it is there, but obviously because it's been cooked for a while, it looks it like loses. chicken. Yeah, it kind of looks like a weird piece of chicken, like a rotisserie chicken almost. You know. <laughs> yeah. I bet it added some good flavor to the hot dogs, though, like an yeah. umami or something, you know? Like yeah. It really probably really seasoned them up real nice. Yeah. I, I'd probably take a bite. <laughs> yeah, and what is... I, a- I just love the fact that they're boiling hot dogs. Like, it's <laughs> not something you... Tra- I mean, my mom used to boil hot dogs, whatever. But, That's like, what we did, it's yeah. It's not something you would traditionally see in a movie. Like, it's usually, like, grilling and, and, and... Like, they're just like, we're having a party. Let's boil some hot dogs. And it's just like... Maybe but it feels so, like right and, and authentic so you're just yeah. like this yeah. is great I, I want to be at that party can I get an, an invite <laughs> right and everybody's like I want a hot dog hanging, in that pot yeah like everybody's hanging out and dancing and drinking yeah. and what is up with Howard by the way can we talk about Howard for oh, a minute the Howard's most, a character he really is sure. he's kind of like me at the parties but not really I mean he's definitely he really is trying to be funny and you're like yeah. alright dude you just we like you. You don't have to do all this, yeah. you know. It's, okay, maybe that's yeah. not me, but yeah. It's funny that's how just... he tries to be the life of the party and then he stops being that guy like towards the end. Oh yeah. When he like dips out of the yeah. mind. When shit got pump. serious, yeah, he, he runs like a little bitch, like, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, "Bye." Right? Yeah. He's like, "Hey guys, I'm going to snort. Go get my oh my nose." And, I'm gonna, and you're like, <laughs> "Oh my god." 
God. You like it's like his best gags st- stopped after fifth grade, right? And he's yeah. doing them, and you're right. like, yeah, we, yeah, we've seen this one like for fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That scene with the snorting the soda reminded me. It took me back to like a middle school party I went to at my friend's house, and we were all snorting pixie stick. That's what my friend did like, and hurt his I'm nose. Like, why is this oh like God. bringing me back to that time? <laughs> My 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 friend did that with pixie sticks. Yeah. Right? Oh my god! I thought that was ridiculous too, especially the pixie stick thing. My friend did that, and his nose—he was like almost bleeding. That's how bad it was. One of my friends in our tweet the other night, or our, our, our live thing, said Elf is like, uh, or well, his real name's Elf, but Howard is like, um, <laughs> is like a like a dumb younger brother to Shelly in Friday Thirteen Part Three or something like that, like or, or like his cousin or something. Like, because they yeah. kind of look similar. They have the kind of like the the curly hair and stuff and i'm like oh my god they're like yeah they're like siblings or cousins or something <laughs> oh my god. it's a canadian i thought that was pretty funny like after that whole fight that they had like between the th- the three people like the bizarre love triangle that had that fight at that party and then they left and then the guy was just trying to like get everyone back in the mood like you know like i think that that's good too like you know yeah. It's good to have a yeah. guy like that, even though he's ridiculous. Good old Hollis. I think it was yeah. Hollis, the one that breaks up the oh. fight. Yeah, Hollis is a man. Like, seriously. Hollis is, like, my... That's, like, probably my favorite character. And he looks almost exactly the same as a buddy of mine from high school. Like, a childhood friend of mine. That, and yeah. he, I mean, my friend, he had the same similar glasses and grew out his hair. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I have a friend just like Hollis, you know? <laughs> but he was just, like, this lovable guy. Like, he yeah. and Patty were like, I want them to be our friends. You know, I mean, I know. It reminded like my dad's and, friends growing up when they were telling stories like they had guys like Hollis in their group. Right. And when, yeah. when we were talking earlier about the closeness and all these people like when Hollis's death scene happens and Patty is just like distraught about it. It's like you can almost feel how devastated she is about Hollis's death. And it it almost broke my heart watching it. But it was like, man, this is like a really close knit group. Like, I'm really happy that like they had that kind of chemistry. Yeah. To bring on I think set. you bring up a good point. Like in, in again, in most movies, and I, I'm thinking specifically of that time frame because as you went on to the '80s, like it was definitely all about the kills and stuff. Which I mean, it was here too. But I'm trying to think of other movies in my mind that pop up that are like this, where you actually care when the characters die. Like, yeah, not everybody you feel the same for, but. I genuinely liked a lot of these characters, especially Hollis, and I was kind of bummed when he died. And Patty, I was like, right. oh my god. Like, it, you kind of, like, I, look, it's still a slasher. It was still made for, you know, to try to, to bank on this trope and, and the slasher genre, but you actually, like, when I watch other, like, say, again, Friday 13th and stuff, like, you're kind of rooting for the people to die, or, like, you don't really care that they die. I mean, yeah, maybe the final girl or the, the people, you, you want them to live, but, like, yeah. You kind of don't care. Like, the mother in part four, where you never see her die, but you uh, know she gets killed, but, like, that's sad, right? Or the mother, right. I guess, in part seven, too. But, like, yeah, there's definitely people that you might care about here and there, but this was like that. All these people, you're like, oh, I don't want them to die, and they do. And right. I don't know. It, it does add to it, for sure. It was kind of the same with Crispin Glover when he was in Friday the 13th part four. And his character was so great. Like, he's that quirky guy, but you can't help but to love his character. Yeah. And he died. Yeah. He's, oh, a lovable, that... he's a lovable actor. And, and his famous dance mm-hmm. in that movie. But, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep seeing that dance scene all over TikTok. Like, especially in the horror talk community. Like, yeah. people keep 
reposting it and I'm just like that is so funny to me like I just love that moment and there's always those quirky moments you remember in like horror movies whether it's like really funny or it's just like really cringy or whatever but everyone looks at that moment especially as like one of those big funny moments in like such a serious movie because it's weird it's just a weird moment where you don't like if he one name is like hey let's dance and he just starts dancing and okay fine but he just goes off script the other thing is uh, that the song that you hear in the movie isn't the song he danced to no i think he was dancing to i think he was dancing to back in black and they couldn't get the rights to it so they had to put that lion song on top of it seriously um I'm remembering yeah so and i'm not saying like i don't know i'm sure someone's done an edit on tiktok or whatever where it's the actual song maybe it goes a little bit more in time i don't probably not but it, what a wild but you, i love quirky moments like that that feel authentic where it doesn't feel like oh it's a, it's an actor doing this to get to the next part or whatever yeah. it feels like there's a part of their personality into it i mean certainly with crispin glover he is a unique individual very so. unique right. yes <laughs> But it goes back to my Bloody Valentine where, I, again, these were, it's not like these were the, the best known actors or actresses or whatever, but like, you just felt, I don't know, there was a sense of authenticity, I keep going back to that word, that that were these people that you, again, wanted to be with them. You didn't like, or you, you, were, you were, you hated the fact that they died or you, you felt for them, you felt sympathy, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it could have gone a different way, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting too because I didn't have it written down, but I read somewhere that that shower scene at the mine in the opening mm-hmm. with all the men like apparently they were all naked in that scene they were just shot from like the chest up yeah. but there's just like a casualness to all of them being in that room showering together and they you know they're cracking jokes and they're talking about their valentine's day plans and stuff and it you know again you can feel that closeness and like you said that authenticity with one another and yeah. it's kind of like bringing their own personalities into the characters which is really nice to watch yeah. going back to the plot so Chief Newbie rushes into the mines with the police to rescue them, and the miner impales a large drill into Mike and Harriet and shoots a nail gun into Hollis's head. Horrified, Howard flees. Like we said, he just dips it right out of there. Yep. Peace. <clears throat> yeah. The remaining four try to climb to the top of the ladder, but discovered a dead, beheaded Howard. That was Comes bad, out of nowhere. Freaking bad idea. While finding their way out, Axel drowns and Patty is killed by the miner. The miner chases TJ and Sarah and a fight ensues, and the miner is revealed to be Axel, who faked his demise. A flashback shows that Axel's father was one of the supervisors killed by Harry Warden, and as a child, Axel witnessed Harry Warden murdering his father and tearing out his heart, which traumatized him. TJ hits Axel with a rock, resulting in the tunnel collapsing, which traps Axel as newbie and the police arrive to rescue TJ and Sarah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Wes Craven and Scream earlier, so Neil Affleck said that the identity of the film's killer was kept a secret, even from the cast, because the filmmakers liked the idea of the mystery being real among the actors. However, Mm -hmm. Affleck figured out that he was the killer when, after being casted, he was sent to the makeup effects department to be fitted for a fake arm that would be ripped off of the killer in the film's finale. Which they never showed in like the, the one that we watched, but in like deleted scenes they show it. Which I think that sucks because they oh, should have yeah. showed the actual thing. That would have been better. Yeah. And when I when I yeah. found that, I'm like, that is such a Wes Craven thing to do yeah. also. Uh-huh. Cause I read I read in a lot of the Scream uh movies, he did that a lot. <laughs> To not, like, 
for A, just so that stuff wouldn't get leaked out to the public, but to also kind of get that genuine shock of the reveal at the end, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah, and it's a great, it's yeah. a great way to keep people guessing and have that, again, goes back to authenticity, right? The, to see real looks on people's faces when they find out something, you know, I mean, yeah. you can't, even the best actors have a hard time, I'm sure, acting that out when you know, you know, I mean, obviously right. great actors can do a lot of things, but I don't know, being able to just surprise somebody in the moment and capture it is that's pretty awesome yeah. yeah especially when i found out that it was axel i was like i kind of knew it but i was like why like i was like shocked i was like oh my god it was fucking axel but it turns out that harry was already dead five years prior so it's kind of like crazy that i hadn't even it, gotten to that part yet colin thank you <laughs> Uh oh. Whoops. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I usually read. I'm gonna walk away now. I usually read from our computer screen. He likes to read over my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and he did that when we were doing a saw review, and he saw the name Henry Rollins on the screen. He's like Henry <laughs> Rollins, and I'm like, can you not read over my shoulder? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a big Henry Rollins fan, so I'm sorry I saw that. I was like Henry. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give away the ending. <laughs> so I guess with that being said, Chief Newbie reveals to them that Henry Harry, Harry, Harry Warden. Warden died five years earlier. TJ and Sarah hear a rescuer shout that Axel is still alive, and they rush back to the scene. And they watch as Axel frees himself from the debris by amputating his trapped arm. He runs deeper into the mine, shouting threats that he and Harry Warden will return and murder everybody in town, mumbling about Sarah being his bloody valentine. And the film ends with Axel laughing maniacally as a ballad for Harry Warden plays over the film's credits. Yeah, which, like, his... Like, every yeah. great slasher film that needs its own ballad, I mean... I love it, yeah. Yeah. That alone is amazing. That sound like Deadly Night, The Burning, I love all slashers that have their own ballads but yeah I, yeah and that, i think that was like originally written by the film's composer and i'm blanking on the name but yeah he originally wrote that for the film i feel like when i listen to that song the the theme song for my bloody valentine it sounds like something from like the hobbit cartoons or something or like <laughs> it has that vibe like i'm going to mordor with this music yeah. like you're traveling to mordor and you hear this song and i'm like why do I feel like I'm watching one of the movie, one of my J uh, J J Tolkien movies that I grew up watching? I mean J R R. Tolkien. Totally is it J R R? Does it really sound like that? Like honestly? Yeah. It totally does. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like it really felt that way, and I got goosebumps listening to that song. I was like, this is cool. All right. Another, oh. and just just to kind of like wrap it all together. Uh, in an interview, Neil Affleck revealed that he still has the miner's helmet that he wore in the film. Ah, that's cool. And I always love hearing about when people, like, keep stuff from the wor movies that they've worked on. Ah, I would, I would, I would love to keep a prop if, like, you know, get done with a movie. Like, Chris Hemsworth has, like, all his Mjolnirs from, like, the Thor movies. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And you know what's even more interesting that that... It's brought up because I was just watching this video of Elizabeth Banks. I think mm. it was on Jimmy Fallon's mm. show. Yeah. And she was talking about the movie she's starring in, Cocaine Bear. Yeah. And she was talking <laughs> about how, like, yes, we kind of had a live bear, but we also had our fake bear that they called Cokie. Cokie. And <laughs> one of the, 
one of the CGI uh, coordinators had like a fake bear head that they used as sort of like a what do you call it when they when they're using like CGI animals to like set the sightline. Yes, so they had a fake yeah. bear head for that, and she kept mm. the bear head and put it in her office at home. She's like, I had a guy come over to check the internet cable. And I opened up the door in my office and turned the light on. It's, he scared himself from the bear head. And I'm like, that's so cool, that's, though. Oh, my God. That's Porky so the bear. Oh, that's yeah. great. Cook. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame her for keeping Yeah, didn't she? She directed that, didn't she? Did she? I, think so. I don't know. Yeah. Did she? I don't know. No, but yeah, she, I think we she, all don't know. She directed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was, oh, talking okay, cool. about, she was talking about how the story of that came to be and how it was sort of based on like an actual event that occurred mm -hmm. but not exactly because i guess what happened was there was cocaine being smuggled from an airplane from one country to the u.s and normally they would drop cargo load from the planes like that and there would be a pickup point but i guess they dropped it at a different location and then like a week later they found a dead bear that had died from overdose on cocaine <laughs> so the movie is just like Speculating, <laughs> the movie is just like speculating what would actually happen if people were around a bear that was high on cocaine, and it just seems it <laughs> seems funny, but it it looks cool. I can't wait to watch it. Like it's gonna be a fun movie to watch. Like seriously, imagine. If oh they, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Imagine if they came out with Cocaine Bear back in 1985. Like how would that go? Like that oh, would yeah. be nuts. She did direct it. Like, the practical effects in that movie would be amazing. Especially the mm -hmm. bear, because I feel like oh, it would be like Ray Harryhausen claymation in some parts. And then right. another no, part... Not, like, stop motion. Yeah, and then, like, <laughs> stop motion. And then some would be, like, a guy in a bear outfit. That's what it would be, that's right. what it'd be like. But, and, yeah, she did direct it and produced it. And it's coming out next week, and I do want to go see it, actually. Yeah. It looks Oh, funny. it is coming out next week. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. That's even better. All right. Yeah, my son wants to go see it. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it to see that. That's cool. Wait, how old is your son, together. if you don't mind me asking? He's, no, I don't mind at all. He's, I have a son, he's 13, I have a daughter who's 16. Oh, so. okay, cool, oh. nice. Cool. Because <laughs> I thought he he's, was. No, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, um, but like, no, yeah, no, if he was like eight or eight years old, being like, hey, dad, can we go see Cocaine Bear? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like. You're like what? <laughs> he was always. It's funny. My daughter never really was scared or even really cared about horror movies or whatever. But my son was always interested and intrigued about. I say they've grown up around this stuff, and uh, you know, my wife was always the one. She's not into horror, but she's like, don't show him too much too early. And I'm like, don't worry. And we yeah. started out early enough, you know, like okay. with with tame stuff. But he always wanted to see Halloween, and I showed him when he was. I think he was eight. Oh. And, uh, oh, okay. It, it didn't. It didn't scare him at all. He was actually scared to watch it because he was scared he was going to be scared. And I was like, "Look, if at any point you're scared, we'll turn it off. You know, it's not mm -hmm. like I have. We have to. I'm going to force you to watch it. But yeah. I was like, "Look, you know, I know that person, or I've been there, or you know, mm -hmm. I told him a lot about the movie. But he was never scared. So he went on a tear the last few years watching anything and everything." like that i have and and we've watched a bunch together and he's watched a bunch on his own yeah. so at this point he's 13 he can pretty much watch almost i mean within a certain reason obviously but yeah. most anything i'm like yeah you're good like so cocaine bear i'm like let's do it let's go see it all the new halloweens he and i went to go see together and stuff oh, cool. so 
See, you that's know, a great bonding time right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask because, like, one of our friends was on the podcast, and she has a two-year-old, and I asked her what would have, what would be a good, like, starting point for introducing kids into horror if that was something that they wanted to do. She said currently he's into, like, anything Halloween-themed revolving, like, Mickey Mouse or Bluey or any, like, the kids' shows that have, like, a Halloween theme. Mm-hmm. She's like, but maybe yeah. later on, she's like, I might introduce him to, like, Nightmare for Christmas and maybe Beetlejuice or just something fun that's not too, too scary. Yeah, we started with, I don't remember the first one, but he saw Monster Squad when he was, what, he was probably seven or eight, so he was probably nine or ten when he saw Halloween, but, um, yeah, yeah we Monster Squad, Jaws actually was an early one for him. Uh, um, that was one of my first. For a few of the others that were kind of early on that he uh, that he watched, but yeah, I mean, there, but there's so many movies now, like Goosebumps and like other movies that you could start kids on. Mm-hmm. That I feel like, yeah, there's just yeah. a lot of like that stuff that you can just ease them into. It's funny when he was real young, he loved the. Michael Myers, the Halloween theme. He, he was always yeah. scared of I put a movie on, but the, the music he loved. I mean, he used to sit at breakfast with my Freddy bust and my Michael Myers mask and just eat breakfast and talk to them and stuff. So <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's That's so cool. Thing. Like, I have stuff all over the house. and Well, not all of it, at least in this area. And, of course, my office and stuff. And they're just like, they were never phased by my masks or Freddy gloves or anything. Like That was like, oh, it's just my dad. Like, their kids, their friends might be scared. But they're just like, that's just my dad's and my dad's stuff like it's not a big yeah. deal like you know even my daughter who doesn't watch the movie she doesn't she doesn't face her she's like i mean she likes the stuff a little bit but she's not really into any of the movies or whatever and, and it's just okay. like yeah. but she's she's not scared by it she's just like yeah. Yeah, whatever that's <laughs> just funny um it is fun though like my son and i watching a movie together and it's funny to see what he gravitates to because mm-hmm. as a 13 year old like he loves the new it so the newer oh, version okay. right okay. but he loves he loved, like, his favorite movie of all time is Home Alone, which I think is amazing. I mean, I love Home Alone, obviously, but yeah. for him to be, you know, it's that's a 30-year-old movie, right? That's a, yeah. almost 33-year-old movie. Mm-hmm. And for him to love it the way I love it is weird, because I, I don't have a movie that was 30 years old, you know, or, or, or let's see, would be 19 years older than he was when he mm-hmm. was born, right? Because he was yeah. born in 2009. So, like, I don't have a movie that's, like, almost 20 years older than me that I love so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's a weird... I, I think in those terms, right? Like, mm-hmm. for me, that would be something that came out in 1957. I can't really think of anything from 1957 that I love so much that it's know, my favorite thing ever. Right. Yeah. right. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, like, classic films like, from the 30s and 40s, like Universal Monsters. Like, right. brought, I mean, yeah, of course I love those. And, and But, like, he watches Home Alone. He'll watch it anytime, not during Christmas. He just loves it. So it's just it's just an interesting thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's funny, going back to the Goosebumps thing, that was kind of, like, my earliest intro to horror because mm-hmm. my mom actually used to work at a video rental store. On Fridays, my dad would pick my sister and I up from school, and he would take us over to the video store, and he's like, okay, pick out two movies for the weekend to watch. So we would pick one Disney movie, and at the time, they had, like, I think six or seven Goosebumps specials on VHS, and we would pick out a Goosebumps film, and we would just watch those over the weekend, and my favorite was The Haunted Mask. It scared the 
crap out of me, but yeah. it's was, a good one. Yeah. My mom actually bought me all the, the uh, Goosebump VHSs when they were in the stores and stuff, and she always bought them. And, like, I mean, we would rent them, but she always get them from the stores and give them to me as gifts. And, like, because I love them. And me, I love Goosebumps, but I was always a big Are You Afraid of the Dark guy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that was always my favorite. Like, it was just, like, it's a Nickelodeon, like, creepy horror show, but it's, like, it's for kids, but it's incredibly scary for, like, some of the stuff, like, at the time. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's what you grew up with. Like, for me, like, Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark, and those things, those were, like, a few years after me. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't, I never got into them yeah. because I was, like, a teenager at the time, which is fine. I love the fact that people are nostalgic for that stuff. I and mean, we did a whole Goosebumps line. We actually recreated the haunted mask, like, a plastic mask in a box and everything. And, that's you know, awesome. Did all that. But, yeah. um, for me, though, growing up, like, it was, like, I loved Freddy's Nightmares because, to me, I could watch Freddy every Friday night. And yeah, it's a similar funny. thing where you go back and watch. I mean, those were really bad. I mean, yeah, they were those very were bad. bad. But, but the fact that you could watch Freddy Krueger even just do the intro and, like, a Crypt Keeper intro type of thing, you know, didn't matter. It was Friday night at 10 or 11, whenever it was on, and I was watching Freddy on my TV at home. You know what I mean? And yeah. right. it was so cool. There was actually, um, I have it on a tape, so... I taped the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 behind the scenes. They used to show behind the scenes stuff like on Friday nights every once in a while when a movie Ooh. would come out, right? Yeah. And there was this one, I think it might have been, well, it had it been on Fox because where I'm going with this, but it was on Fox Channel 7, you know. And I taped it and I have the tape still and I put it on DVD so I have a digital version of it, but I have all the commercials. And one of the commercials was for Freddy's Nightmares, but Freddy comes on, and of course he's in the boiler room, and he goes, <laughs> I love, it's something like, I love the can of worms, and if you remember, the can of worms used to be what yep. they called 495.90 change, so like, I love seeing things torn apart, I'll see you in your dreams, Rochester, and and I was like, <gasps> like, Freddy just said Rochester, like, he was talking to, about us, and you know, he probably recorded a hundred of those that day, you know, yeah. in different markets, like, as a 11, 12 year old, I was like, oh. like, Freddie just said Rochester. Like, that blew my mind. You oh, know? My oh my God. That is freaking That's cool. Funny. Oh my God. I was going to say, speaking of like Rochester and bringing like celebrities here for like shows and stuff that you've done for Saturday Night Rewind, and you said you've shown the town and stuff like that, like, show them what Rochester is about. Have you ever brought any celebrities to try the garbage plate? <laughs> No, it's funny. No, we haven't. I'm trying to think. Uh, no, because like when Joe Bob was here, oh. we, we usually go to the gate house when he's here. Um, I should have had him have a garbage plate. We had um, <laughs> he like, loved PJ Stoles was here. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. It's funny. PJ, when we brought PJ in 2017, yeah, her and her man. boyfriend, Rob, I mean, they are just the, the best. I mean, really the best. And uh, I had known PJ for a while, but I was never like, like really like close with her you know we'd see each other shows and talk and she wore our shirts and stuff and it was always nice but like i never got to like know her you know and i didn't know much about her boyfriend um robert or beast as everyone calls him but beast. as soon as they landed like had so much time together that weekend and we we my point is like we went out to a lot of different restaurants we didn't get garbage plates but she was mm-hmm. by the end of the weekend. She's like, I want to move here. She's like, mm-hmm. she actually wanted to move to Rochester. Goes, this is such a beautiful town, and I mean, she's like family now. Like, like she's like my aunt or something. It was crazy. And we we did a short film, and we had her in it as a cameo. I think, oh, I think we saw. Like, I think I saw that actually. 
It was uh, yeah. It was called November first. We actually debuted it that night before Halloween, uh, so it was pretty amazing because we shot all of it except for her scene. And when she came in, we shot it, and she was so impressed by um, Eric, who works with us now. But he used to work at the Little. Uh, he he and our friend Roy like directed it, and I was Michael Myers, and I got to like play Michael Myers across from her, which was like again like. Whoosh. Um, <laughs> But he ran, Eric ran home and edited it together, and we debuted it that night. So we're sitting there in sold-out audience, and me and Rob and PJ and my wife were up in the balcony, and here we are watching this, and they were like, this is amazing. They just thought, loved it. She actually ended up sending it to John Carpenter and Rob Zombie to watch it, which is pretty cool. And it was just, yeah, it was pretty rad. I was, um, oh, my God, that's so cool. <laughs> I was going to ask. She texted me. It was what go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna ask you what your thoughts were of rob zombies halloween i know rob the original is your favorite slasher but what did you think of the remake that rob zombie put together so i liked it for what it was here's the thing like Mm -hmm. we've been we've been working with rob for a few years now so we've i've been able to like i got to meet him once which is really great we hung out for a bit talking after a show once and and we've talked a few times or whatever and like what i like about rob is like him or hate him, he is him. He is Rob Zombie. Mm-hmm. He's going to do what he, he does. And it doesn't matter. He doesn't care, like, if anyone likes it or not. He's not doing it for anybody else but himself. Right. So, that being said, I, I, that's the thing about his movies is, I, I mean, I love House of Thousand Corpses. I loved Devil's Rejects. Three from Hell, I felt like, and he even mentioned having problems because Sid Haig was sick and stuff. And right. it was okay. I, I didn't love it, you know? Yeah. It, it felt a little flat for me. But anyway, his Halloween films, I was really excited to see what he was going to do with it, especially because at the time, I think it was just House and maybe Devils at the time had been out, right? So... I was like, oh, what does he do with Halloween? As a fan, I didn't necessarily care for all the backstory and all the white trash stuff, right? Like, right. that, to me as a fan, I was like, I don't need that in my Halloween. I, I feel like he had a vision, and that was his vision. And the thing is, part two, and everyone hates part two, if you watch, and I think I did this with part one, but if you watch part two with his commentary, you get inside his head. And then I go, oh, I get it now. Yeah. And so that's why, like... It's, it's like my friend and I went to go see 31, I think it was, and he hated it. And I said, well, do you like Rob Zombie? He said, no. I'm like, why would you like this one? Rob, Rob's going to rob, right? Like, right. he's just going <laughs> to do what he does. So why would you think you would like this one and not that one? I I, I, I think that's funny, right? Like, the yeah. monsters. Everyone was, like, going crazy about the monsters. I'm I, like, yeah, we enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Like, right. Yeah. A, he wasn't going to make it R-rated in this, like, white trashy stuff. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. You're going to... You're gonna, pay homage to the original because he loves the monsters so what were you expecting the monsters is kind of a dumb show and i don't mean that in a derogatory yeah. bad way it's mm-hmm. literally dumb fun like it's a kind right. of a it's really just lo- like dumb humor but it's fun yeah so right. he made a dumb humor like what are you expecting so anyway i i mean i'm going off on a tangent here but mm-hmm. to your point like i i actually liked the second half of halloween i thought it was cool when he broke out and they they remade the first one without remaking it. you know they changed it up a little bit yeah um but I, I will say this i don't put it on as much as i put on the other halloween movies i just don't like it's very brutal it's very visceral you know yes. when when d wallace gets killed that's really an emotional mm-hmm. moment you know yeah. what i mean oh, like, yeah because she's like everybody's horror mom i love d wallace she was yeah, yeah. And you see her, like, crawling on the floor and, and crying. Like, 
he did it so well that I don't want to watch it all the time because for me, I just don't want to like constantly put myself through that. You know what I mean? Like I, I know other movies I can disassociate from those things, but he, he filmed it in such a way where I was like, Oh, that's just hard to watch. And honestly, like it is hard to watch like a kid go through like an abusive home life. You know, it's yeah. not an easy thing to, to witness, you know, it's not something I put on for fun. I know some people, Oh, I'll put on Cannibal Holocaust for fun. I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, that's not me as a fan. So yeah. That was a good example. I, yeah, I liked it. And, and again, part two was kind of a hot mess. But when you watch it with the director's cut with his commentary, you go, all right, I get it. I still don't love it. Actually, there's elements of that movie I really love. I actually love when they when Daniel Harris's character Annie gets killed. Yeah, and you see the snippets of her as a kid. Yes. Like, oh yeah. my god! Oh and that god. song that plays like that is a moment right there. Yeah, that's a but sound I was gonna yeah. say that moment for D Wallace for you. That moment in Halloween Two was for me. Like, I could feel how oh. devastated Lori was that her friend was just brutally murdered, yeah. and it like just the the devastation and the sadness like I felt and it like rocked me and I'm like oh this is such a good movie like when it makes you feel something like that it I, to me it's 100%. a good it's a good aspect I guess yeah yeah and I Br- agree I, I yeah and Brad Dorif yeah go ahead as Sheriff Brackett I was like oh my oh, god right? And we, we met Malcolm McDowell at a convention, and I, I could not stop with the questions from yeah. Halloween remakes. I was like, what's Rob Zombie like? And I'm like, yeah, and I was so excited. And it's so funny. When I met him, he gave me a big hug, and I was like, oh, my God, he's so warm. I was just like, I felt like it felt so nice, like hugging a grandparent. That's what it felt like. He's a super nice guy. Like, I quick story about him. I just made me think of this. I was at Texas Frightmare in 2008. It was my first time ever going to a show and not vending. And uh, I, hmm. we were helping out with the Night of the Living Dead 50th anniversary at the time. So I, I went down there and we we done it. Me, I was at a screening of the of the movie with the cast. It was really great. It was amazing. And I was helping out a friend of mine who was one of the uh, convention like managers uh, who manages all celebrities like George Romero and all the people. And I was helping him do some like red carpet interviews and stuff. And anyway. The next night, I was just going to go to the show and then fly home on Saturday morning because my kids were really young and I didn't want to like be gone that long. So I was just waiting in line to get a ticket to go into the show. And my friend stopped me. He goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm waiting in line to get a ticket. He goes, no, I, I got you covered. Here's your here's a vendor pass. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. That's what? amazing. He goes, oh, by the way, what are you what are you doing? You just hanging out at the show? I'm like, I'm just going to walk around and see some, you know, my friends and stuff and then hang out and go, right? Like, just whatever. He's like, hey, could you do me a favor? I'm like, yeah, what's up? He goes, I need someone to sit with Malcolm uh, all night at his table. And I was like, okay, like take money for him? And he's like, yeah, could you do that for me? And I was like, sure. So from like like 5 to 10, I sat right next to Malcolm McDowell. And obviously he's got a long line and I was dealing with the money and like, oh, it's this, you know. But in between people, he and I talked and he was super cool and really nice guy. And it was just like, I, I was not expecting to be next to him all night, you know. It was a surprise, but it was really cool. And the funny thing is the next morning, I kind of had to go quickly, so I got up, and I was by myself. So I went to the hotel restaurant to get breakfast, and I'm sitting there eating. And it was way before the show started. And I look up, and I see him walk in, and the the, the person, the the waiter, the, the front of house guy was like, you know, where do you want to sit? And Malcolm's like, and then he looks up, he goes, oh, can I sit with him? 
<laughs> he pointed over to me, so he sat across me. We had breakfast together Yo, and talked for a little that's bit. That's awesome. Oh, my God. And, um, it's, it's funny because he's such a nice guy. He really yeah. is a super nice guy, and he, he obviously has that sarcastic address I love. But, oh, um, my God. And I know it was written this way, but I really did not like him as Loomis, it's, at least in the second oh. one. The first one I tolerated. The second one, I was like, God, you are an asshole. Yeah, he and was I a dick him. in that second like, one, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. like, I, and I understand it was this character. I right. get it, but, like, I really did not like him at all in the second one. Mm. Yeah. Like, and I, I asked him again. That's just, that was the big right. rip Yeah, like, that was part of, I guess that's part of his character development when you transition from the first mm-hmm. and second. Because right. he retires as a doctor, and he's just going around talking about this case with Michael Myers, and then when he puts out a book and he's doing all these tours, it almost feels like it's starting to get to his head a bit, and he starts to get a little like full of himself. Yeah, I'm, I keep talking. It's got, I just remembered. I got to show you guys this because we're talking about it. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Happening thing in this. Check this out. These are from the <gasps> you. Oh my god. I mean, we're not a visual podcast. So I got, and then inside I have some of the. Yeah. Oh my god. <gasps> this is an actual this is a call sheet from one of the days of filming. <gasps> Yo. Wow. That is so cool. So for those who Yeah, this is from For those who can't February see February 26th. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> We're not a visual podcast, but Ben is showing right. us these physical copies of The Devil's Eyes, the book that Dr. Loomis writes in the Rob Zombie Halloween remakes. With the Smithfield, is it Smithfield or Smithrow? Yep, and it's a picture of him in the oh, background right there. Yeah, and it looks amazing. It's like a real book. Oh like, my god! Oh my so god. Cool. Well, it is a real book. Oh my god! It is a real book. book. <laughs> it, well, no, but it, this is—they just covered a. Oh, book, so oh okay. Right. All right. That's unexpected, man. This one's actually funnier. It's um, one second. This is a. <sighs> I'm so happy. Okay. This is so cool. Uh, that is so Bridges, cool. Of, this is Bridges of Madison County. That's what this book is. What? Oh my god. Yeah. That is so cool. But yeah, this this is a call sheet from February Monday, February twelfth, two thousand seven, so almost exactly six years ago. Oh my god. So this is where they were shooting, who was supposed to be there, what time they were supposed to be there, the whole Yo. thing. Yeah. That is so cool. Oh my god, this is amazing. I don't even like the second movie or even seeing it, but that's still cool. I try to get you to watch him with me and you uh, don't want to. I don't like the remakes, I'm sorry, no offense. I like them. But, uh, but yeah, this, these are kind of like, these are just fun. It's funny because I always... I, but that's so it, cool. It literally just hit me that I had these because I'm like, oh, yeah. It was like when you said the mention that him going to the book tour. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have these things sitting on my shelf. They're just like sitting <laughs> with my other books on the shelf. That is so cool, though. That's amazing. And what I like about Rob Zombie as a director, and when I, I've seen some of like behind-the-scenes footage of him like working with each aspect of production but he's really hands-on with the art department and he's very very creative Mm -hmm. and you can tell that when he makes a movie he puts a lot of his own creativity into almost everything artistic and like i was saying we talked a little bit about the monster movie he made but that that whole movie was like watching his own rendition with with the costume the lighting the Mm -hmm. setting you could just tell that a lot of a lot of his creativity was put into that. Yeah, and that's what I like about his movies. Uh, he's great because he's all he's really great to work with because, like you said, because he's an artist, so he has a, he has a vision about what he wants. Mm-hmm. So 
like for example, the monsters. You know, we had learned early on that he was going to be doing a monsters film, and it was going to be through Universal. So I was like, "Ooh, I got to talk to Universal about this." And I got on a call with with our our person that we work with. There, she was actually new, um, so we were having like an intro call. Like we've been with Universal for a while, but you know, people oh, wow. come in and out of jobs. So this was like right. a new person. Like, okay, we're doing this intro call. She's calling all the people that she's going to be working with. And uh, I was about to bring up Monsters because I was like, this is about a year ago, I think. And she goes, oh, by the way, we had a meeting with Rob the other day. He brought you guys up. He really wants Fright Rags to do Monsters shirts. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. yeah. So she's like, so, um, you know, we'll add that to your rights. And we're waiting for assets and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. But the funny thing is, is Rob, again, Rob is Rob, right? And mm-hmm. He just has this vision. So he was sending us pictures from the set. Yeah. He was like, here's all these pictures and stuff. But the funny thing is, like, this is the, how it works. Like, you have to get everything approved by the studio, obviously. And sometimes you can only use images that they approve. Like, right. he'll send us images. And I'm like, yeah, but Rob, I got to make sure Universal approves these. And it's him making his own movie. But we yeah. still have to get him approved. Like, He's the because it's almost yeah. when you get approval on images, they want to make sure like, well, do you have permission from the person that uses and all this other stuff? And it's like, but Rob sent them to us from his own like camera roll on his phone. Like I don't know how right. long you yeah. get permission. Right. right, like you're going directly to the funny. source. Like you're torn. Yeah, he doesn't care. Like to him, it's just <laughs> like we're gonna do it. Let's just do it. And I'm like, no, that's great. But as like the company, I have to get the right permission because if i just do it like it's on us it's not on you rob it's on me right, right? but it, it all obviously it all worked out great and and he gets to it's funny because he has to approve all the designs too in addition to universal but like because we've worked with him on other properties like house and other stuff like that yeah. it's like hey rob what do you think of this he's like yeah i love it or changes changes we do that and then we send it to universal and then they're like okay well and i'm like well rob already approved it so it's like fast track <laughs> so they don't have to then send it to him like no, we already we already took care of that, so we just need to you know approve it on your end, and we can go to print, you know. But um, no, but again, I I thought it was a fun movie, and again, he's got this vision, and he's that's why I like working with him so much because he'll even come to us and be like, hey, when are we gonna do baby socks? You know, we already done Spalding socks, and so I'm like, all right, we'll make some baby socks. I want you know baby I mean? socks like, for baby. <laughs> we don't even have baby. Um, no, it's for me. It's just fun to. Because some people don't aren't, aren't involved, right? Some people don't care or just are not involved at all. And you're actually dealing with the person who made the thing that you're trying to work with. So it feels very collaborative when you're yeah. working yeah. with a property of his. So it's just been really cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going off on a tangent. No, that's okay. Was- this is awesome. This is probably the best tangent I've ever heard. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and like we said, we, we really enjoy talking with people who admire and love horror just as much as we do it makes really great conversations and it's really yeah. fun to be this interactive especially on our podcast like it's just usually us two talking to each other but when we have more people involved it makes for a great conversation and it's, it's been really enjoyable talking with you about all this because yeah so- this is a, quite an honor like this is so cool you know, because no, 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 it's I love talking to fellow horror fans just about horror movies in general. Like, yeah, I, just I don't know, just in general. I just yeah. obviously love the genre, so it's fun to talk to other people and, about it. You know, right. and also, and we enjoyed working with you when we did and everything. So, if you ever wanted to do anything in the future with us, just like you know, let us know because we would totally be down for whatever. Yeah, you know, awesome. 
We'll do for sure. Yeah, yeah it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. definitely, without doubt. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we're we're. I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, yeah. I mean, but we do want to thank you again for being with us on the podcast and for talking about my bloody Valentine. I mean, yeah. it's a really fun thing for us to do together. So yeah. we really appreciate you. Being no, on thanks the podcast. for having me. Yeah, and you're more than welcome. No, I appreciate you. Yeah, and you're more than welcome to come back anytime if you want and everything, you know, to get the guests in and just talk about whatever. Yeah, I'm always down to talk about movies, so yeah, it'd be fun to be on again for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And then before we sign off, is there anything you want to like announce, like anything you have working on at the moment or anything upcoming? Oh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. <laughs> um, one of the things, I don't know when this airs, but next week we're launching... Um, our collection for Deadstream, which was one of my favorite movies from last year. I don't know if you've seen it yet. No. Um, it it's okay. So that's your homework. You got to go on Shutter. You have Shutter, right? Yes, yes we do. Yeah, we're big uh, okay. Shutter people. It's like I hate saying this because it, it doesn't mm. do the film justice, but it's like Evil Dead meets Blair Witch Project. Mm. But it's it's so good and funny. Like it's it's a funny movie too. Like it's not just like you know just straight up horror. I watched it last October. It had just come out, and I'm always behind on movies. Like, yeah, ridiculous behind on a lot of things. But people were talking about this, and unfortunately, I'd gotten COVID, and I was like, uh. kind of stuck in this area, like isolated, right, from my family and everybody. So, and I was, I was still working. Luckily, it wasn't like a huge, horrible case. But anyway, I was, I was thinking one night, I'm like, I'll just, I'll watch a movie, and I'm like, you know, people keep talking about this dead stream that came out. You know, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, and, and and you know sometimes it's hard to like muster up like okay I'm just gonna watch something new as opposed to just throwing on something that you have seen a hundred times and it's like a blanket you know. Within two minutes of this movie starting, I was like, I'm I'm already sold in this movie. I don't even care what else happens. I'm I'm in it. And so I had written about it on Twitter afterward. I was just saying how much I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun, great film, and I think it, it was the the guy who stars in it wrote and directed. It's a one man show. Like there's only one other person in the movie. Like it's, oh. it's him. He's a YouTuber, and he goes into this haunted house for a night, and that's the setup. Oh, wow. And okay. <laughs> it is, you'll really like it. And um, he's like, oh, I'd love to have shirts done of this movie. And I was like, really? So we had a call like then, like a week or two later, and uh, worked on it, and we got the collection coming out next week. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked because obviously we work with a lot of movies that we've seen hundreds of times and classic yeah. movies and stuff, but... I love it when a newer film comes out, especially like like a more of an independent film that we can talk directly to the person who made it. Again, kind of going back to the Rob thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously, just being able to like go, oh, sweet, like we can do shirts for this movie too. You know what I mean? Like it's so it's fun. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. People that we've gotten really good response so far. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's fun to kind of have that connection and be like sweet i just saw this movie that i fell in love with and now we get to make shirts for it like it's not doesn't always happen that way so i'm, I'm fortunate that we were able to kind of make that connection so mm -hmm. look out for that next week that's nice. that's awesome i'll definitely check yeah. out the yeah dead screen or what's it called dead stream dead stream not not dead screen i'm yeah. sorry yeah no um no it definitely stream. sounds cool. live stream but it's dead stream it's <laughs> uh i think once you like especially if you like a lot of youtube which i i watch a lot of youtube like as soon as you like as soon as it turns on and he starts talking you're like i know this guy because i've seen this guy you know what i mean like that guy like when you start talking about tropes like yeah. oh i know that guy I, you know and the way they play with technology makes sense and it, it it allows the film to cut and edit without it getting boring you know because he's literally a one-man show yeah um right. 
but it, it's very smart, but it's hilarious, and he carries the whole movie, and it's so fascinating. Like, it, it would it would not work if it were just a person who could not act in front of the camera and do stuff. Like, you believe this guy 110%, yeah. and so, it, and again, it's got cool effects. It, it, you almost go, I can't believe this guy just shot it himself. I mean, he had, obviously, help behind the scenes, but clearly it was just a few people doing this. It was mm-hmm. him and his wife and a couple other people, you know what I mean? It's amazing, so I highly recommend it. Yeah, um, you won't be disappointed. I, I pretty much guarantee it. Nice. nice. And uh, I was actually going to say one more thing before we go. It's kind of funny you were talking about Blair Witch Project because where I grew up at, I'm from here, but I moved to Maryland when I was two. And I grew up in oh, okay. Salisbury and Ocean City. And I lived 30 minutes away from where the Blair Witch Project was actually made. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, that's my... True. It was so funny. Have you been to the locations and stuff? No, I mean that was the thing. Never wanted to go there because growing up, Blair Witch did scare the shit out of me. So I didn't want to go over to that area. But when we were kids, you know how people now would go to haunted houses. You know, like the fake haunted houses. We had real haunted houses when we were kids. So we would go to those. We didn't have to pay a dime. We just go into those place abandoned houses. You get a lot of abandoned houses around here that my friends and I would dare each other to go in. So I, I know for yeah. sure what so, you're talking about. But it's just so funny when people talk about this is where this was filmed at. You know, like scary movies film were in their hometown. So is this like Blair Witch? Was that for us? So I thought that was pretty cool. Hey, that's a great movie to have filmed in your hometown, man. That's yeah. uh, wild. We're either thirty minutes; it doesn't matter. But yeah, <laughs> you know. But it is. Well, still, I mean, yeah. great. I mean, like for me, like you know, thinking the same thing with Lady in White. It's like yeah. you know, forty minutes away. Like it's it's so cool, and obviously Blair Witch is a bit of a more widely known film, you know, and and that's awesome. I've always wanted to go down there and check out like that area and stuff cuz yeah. like that would just I know they do like I think they've done tours and stuff and I have a friend that like knows that whole area. I've always wanted to check it out. So and, that's uh, pretty rad. Yeah, true story. My mom when she was a kid, the house was actually up back in the day, the uh, the lady in the uh, the white lady's castle, the actual house. My mom actually sat mm-hmm. on the steps of it when she was uh, when she was younger. Really? Yeah. And I was just like, I, my mom, I didn't even know she was that brave. But literally, she would sit on those steps and wait for something to happen, but never did. That's awesome. I love going down to, to, to the beach and seeing that, like, the, you know, the, the wall there yeah. and, and walking around. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. It's so beautiful, yeah. <laughs> Is there any, like, social medias you want to plug in where people can find you and follow you for more, like, horror content? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, we're everywhere, um, you know, Instagram and uh tiktok and well instagram and twitter mostly at fright rags all one word and then you can find us on tiktok it's fright rags uh, i think it might be all one word i'm not on there as much but i'm i'm dabbling more into that nowadays mm-hmm. um, yeah that's i haven't really taken a huge deep dive into it but i've been playing with it i actually did a dead stream video last week i was playing around with the editing features and i wanted to tease our collection and i had this idea so i was on my phone figuring it out like <laughs> like a boomer or something but uh, <laughs> anyway uh so like instagram twitter and, and tiktok um we are obviously facebook and then you know p- people join our newsletter they can stay up to date uh via email and sms um but it's it's the website's frightrags.com but it's fright hyphen rags.com mm-hmm. and uh yeah if you sign up to our newsletter we 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 like to send out some fun stuff and in all the new collections we always have stuff coming out usually every week sometimes twice a week um depending on what's going on and we've got a lot coming up this year so it's, yeah. it's definitely good to, to stay, stay tuned 
Yeah, I definitely get. I definitely need to get some uh, some merch from Fright Rags for sure because that because I love all your stuff. Like everything looks amazing on there. No thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess with that being said, this has been our episode with the Abbey Normal Podcast with our guest host Ben Scrivens. Thank you again, Ben, for joining us. Yes. Thank you for uh, thank Absolutely. you for being here. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a blast. It was great hanging out with you guys. Yeah. yeah. It was great talking to you, and we hope you have a good night. Thanks. You too. Take care, guys. Me right, too. too. Well, that was a fun interview we had. I know. I'm just like thinking to myself still, like, what did just happen? I know. <laughs> and, and we're recording this outro post-editing, so I went through the entire editing process, and it's a bit lengthier than our usual content, so if you've made it this far into the episode, I'm glad. I hope you all enjoy this episode. But it's worth listening to, because we had so much fun doing it, and Ben... Seriously, like, to the bottom of my heart and yours is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Like, seriously, one of the nicest, like, people when it comes to, like, horror community and just, like, he's so, he's so cool. You know, he's so down to earth. Yeah, and he has a lot of interesting stories, too. I mean, aside from the ones that he's told us on this podcast, he has so many other, like, really cool stories from just working with people who work in the horror industry it's just amazing to talk to him yeah yeah sorry my my voice just shut up that's how excited i was for this interview but no um i will say that he just seems like such a down-to-earth guy he's a businessman he's a family man before we wrap it up all together i did want to say a couple things because i know i usually plug this at the end of every episode but if you haven't already like comment share subscribe to the podcast if you're able to Leave a nice review if you can. It really helps boost the algorithm to get our podcast out there. Where do we see reviews? We can get reviews from Apple Podcasts. Sometimes oh. you can do a five-star review on Spotify or leave a comment. But Did anyone leave one for us? No, not recently. But that's why I'm, I'm oh. encouraging people who are listening to this podcast to listen. Our views have been getting really thinned out over the past couple of weeks. And I just really... I hate to have to, like, end the podcast, but I have to, like, if you could, it would mean a lot to us to try to change the numbers in our favor, because, I mean... But we're not going to cancel. I know we're not going to cancel. I'm just saying, you know, we do this podcast mostly for fun. We've been trying to make something of this podcast for a long time. Even if you like the podcast, we do appreciate people who do tune in and listen. But it would mean a whole lot more if people are able to just take a couple minutes to just scroll down to the review section, leave a nice review or comment, and like like I said, five-star or whatever review. It just, again, it helps boost our podcast i said this a long time ago but like if you know any other people who are into horror podcasts and like this kind of content please share with them and we love what we do so please keep listening to us and we can keep giving you great content right so yeah and that's really all we try to do is just try to put out good content you know whether it's reviews trivias interviews things like that you know we just want to have fun with this as much as possible and we, even though we do this for fun, we would like to see something more come from it. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, a lot of podcasters, too. Like, there's so many different podcast shows out there. But it would be fun to make this a full-time thing. Yeah. And it's kind of hard already to do when both of us already have full-time jobs. So but you know what? But it will come a day that we will do so well 
that we don't even need jobs anymore and we could just focus on the podcast. It would be fun. That's you know? the dream. Because honestly, <laughs> girls just want to have fun. And this gal is tired of driving 15 minutes to the hospital so she can pay bills for her doggies. <laughs> Who destroy every single toy that they chew. Speaking of dogs, I'm pretty sure a lot of you can hear crying during the recording. And I apologize. So, it's our youngest dog, Lily. Yeah, so please avoid that while you're listening to this. I think going forward, we're going to have to try a different method of getting them to quiet down because having them in the same room with us can be very, like, annoying because they cry. Well, not they. I should just say it's just Lily. (laughs) You want me to keep them outside? I'm thinking about it because right... What? uh, No, no, no. I'm thinking about, like, taking their crates just for when we interview. We take their crates and we put them out there. Yeah. That way, they're not within earshot. They're... I was, I was talking about outside, outside. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. No, no but, like, I, I feel like that's what we should do. It just makes sense that way. Yeah. But I do apologize. But you can't help but avoid that, you know. Yeah, especially when she's loud. Like, I can't. I, I There's no way to edit that out when there's other dialogue in the recording. Exactly. But with that being said, like I said before, we had a really good time this week. Stay tuned next week. If Mm -hmm. all goes as planned, next week we're going to have two of my favorite podcasters on the show. Sean Parker and Steve Goldberg from Mostly Horror Movie Night, or Mostly Horror as they're now known, from the Morbid Network. And I'm really excited for this interview because we're going to be doing a Megan review. Mm. And these are the two podcasters. I've mentioned their podcast before on numerous episodes prior, but I'm a big fan of their show and I really enjoy listening to their podcast. I encourage others to go listen to them as well. And if you really like their stuff, then I'm sure you guys are going to like next week's episode. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Um, other than that, I'm just glad everyone enjoyed this episode, and I'm glad you all had a good time. <clears throat> and yeah, stay tuned for the next episode when we interview mostly horror. Oh, will you stop? Well, not well, again. All right. Well, for her crying, I think this is our time to uh, to uh, ring the bell. You know. Yeah, it's time to sign off. And besides, I got to get some coffee. So, and this has been a great episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, will you be my bloody valentine? As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.